That's a great start. Was you recording? You've genuinely just started this episode. <laughs> this is episode 039 of TBC Podcast, brought to you by GRM Daily, presented by myself, Michael Payne. Myself, Rebecca Judd. Myself, Renee. We've got a very, very, very special guest. I think our first MBE. Woo! Cheers. Cheers. I genuinely think this is our first MBE. I'm going to wet myself with wow. excitement. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that in here. <laughs> we yeah. do, and we're not going to... Uh, make an exception today we always let our guests introduce themselves hello everyone i am trevor nelson i'm a voice you know really well i think because whether you like it or not you must have heard me on the radio at least once in your lifetime come on and um, <laughs> and today actually right now i should be at the brit awards you should indeed but in my diary i had your podcast down so it was the brit or the podcast but I got shit to say, yeah. so <laughs> I thought I couldn't miss out on the opportunity to to be with um, first of all Michael, thank you, and an award-winning broadcaster such as I'm going to clip Bex. this and put it on my show. And I'd love to say I'd love to say MC Ren because you know you know I ain't going to say nothing more. But Ren, nice to be here. Very nice to be here. Bless up, man. Let's um let's talk about. We, we kind of, we've been discussing a lot before we pressed record. Um, but I, w- I want to talk, talk to you about MBEs and, and the, the kind of um, sort of awards you get and acknowledgement you get um, for, for services that, for me personally, kind of perpetuate, you know, the empire. Yeah. What was it a kind of bittersweet thing for you to be per- brutally honest? Spot on. Absolutely spot on. I I did um listen, we're going to talk about I suppose bits of my career and everything, but I at one point was probably one of the probably at one point probably one of the most influential young uh, black Absolutely. people in the country Absolutely. to for for teenagers or you know you know what I mean? Yeah. My thing was though when I got to a point where I thought, you know what, I'm on Radio 1, I'm on MTV, I've got this music thing, more or less, you know, covered in terms of being a commentator. My influence wasn't just to black kids, it was to all kids of all, of all races. So I didn't want to, I wanted to give a little bit of something back, yes. but I realised it shouldn't be just to black kids, I think it should be to all kids, or disadvantaged kids. Particularly, so I, in, I embarked on this Millennium Volunteer thing where I got invited to be an ambassador. Every time I did a gig, I went around the country. I, I'd leave my house early, go and visit the projects that they were doing, give out awards. You know, actually, and no one knew I was doing this. All right, it was a, an initiative, but no one really knew I was doing this. And I was really happy about that. It made me feel really good. That I, was, I was earning good money, DJing and all that stuff. So I thought, do that. Then I got a letter. <laughs> you get a letter through the post. Right. And the letter said something about, would you have any opposition? I can't remember the letter. I didn't keep it, funny enough. If you were nominated for... I didn't understand it, to be honest. And I thought, I don't get this letter. It's not saying you've got an MBE, but it's, it's saying you might get an MBE. Right. I, I didn't quite get it. And then, I've, and then you have to... You find that in the newspapers. They don't what? actually tell you. Oh, right. So the list of honours is you, publicised. You, you find out. One person you, yeah, you, out I, I found out in a newspaper, right, that I got an MBE. Yeah. And you know, my first reaction was, I hate that word empire. 
I, I really, it was, I did know, I felt I was too young because it was over, it was I, was, I was in my 30s, you know what I mean? And I thought, I don't know, I felt uncomfortable, a little bit uncomfortable. I felt proud. That's the thing. That's why I said bittersweet because yeah. you wouldn't yeah. be proud. You're being honoured for something, but it's what yeah. the the award scheme in itself is said. It's just that word. It's like I wish, said, it's that word. I wish they'd update it, but yeah. I, I, have, I have my issues with it because my parents, my mum was living in St. Lucia at the time. She had semi-retired and my dad, you know, I mean, they came as immigrants. You know, my dad was a very bright man. He had to be a bus conductor. My mum was a bright lady. She had to be a childminder. Right. You know, for them, I, I accepted it for them. Bottom line. Mm. And I took my two kids there when they were quite young. And it was an interesting day because don't be fooled, people. It's not full of celebrities. Right. I was the only face there out of 150 people who were honoured that day yeah. that I even knew. I mean, I didn't know anybody else. Mm -hmm. They were all people who really deserve awards. They were people who work in councils, people who volunteer their time, people who do free stuff in the community. That's exactly what it should be. Yeah. The only reason I think they encourage that celebrity side of things is to shine a light on the honour system. Yeah. Because if they kept giving people these awards and no one ever knew about them, you know, not going to put Jim, Jack and Jill's name in the paper much. They only yeah. put in David Beckham or something, you know, and it, and it, but anyway, it's bittersweet. I don't shine it up. I've never watched the video. I've got the video. I've never watched it. Prince Charles gave it to me. Yeah. And I respect him because of the Prince's trust work he does. Same, absolutely. I've got ultimate respect for that man. And he spoke to me at length and I've met him several times anyway. And I always try and, and, I, and I, I respect that man. A lot of yeah. people get him wrong. He cares about the environment. He cares yeah, about young people. Man, you're taking the words out of my mouth. And that's, that's why I've got a lot of respect for him. Yeah, as, as, a, as a man, you're absolutely right. I really, really highly respect Prince Charles. Yeah. It's just the fact that you've got to word. call him a prince yeah, I'm like yeah. why are you more yeah, I know, than me I know. because of you but that's the difference <laughs> we, we, we are stuck in a we are stuck in a we, we, the one thing that Britain has over America is tradition and all this, yeah. this stuff that we won't let go because of that and yeah. that's, that's all part of the tourism game and everything you Absolutely know what I mean right, so yeah. it brings money to the country but yes for us um, descendants of immigrants it's a little Empire, that word's a bit off. Yeah. Salt in a wound for me, like, when I think about it, because obviously the empire was like, if you know your history, what they've done and stuff. So, like, that's for you to accept it, I understand. Yeah. This is the thing, I understand. Yeah. I 100% yeah. I, I think it would have close with uh, Jazzy B, aren't you? Who's yeah. Got an, yeah, he's got an OB. OB. Yeah, I think he's got an OB. Um, Jamal Edwards, super young. He got you one know, recently, uh, yeah. Recently, so. Yeah. I understand being, uh, you know, accepting. I think, I'll tell you something, Benjamin Zephaniah yes, turned his down, but wait for it, wait for it. And I'll say this on record. I remember Benjamin, Benjamin Zephaniah turned it down around the same time I think I might have been given but he wanted to be poet laureate and he they oh, never right. made him poet laureate so i always thought it was a bit bitter bitter right yeah you, you want to be poet laureate you want to be poet yeah. laureate but you don't want to get an award. you know i just thought it was a bit it's all, i think every black person has this this thing that they if they get an honor they think about it they have to think about it but ultimately they think about their parents and they think about their family and they think you know it's a bigger story if you turn it down it's a bigger story and yeah. and you know let me let's be honest I'm an employer of the BBC. I'm doing a national radio show. I was doing a national radio show. I was a national figure. Yes. It, it's a big story if you say, no, I don't want it. And yeah. all of a sudden, you, it's out of control. Mm -hmm. So I took that one for the team.
You won't see me wearing it on a blazer anytime soon, though, man. And it hasn't been polished since I got it. So. It's not going in your Twitter name. It's not. No. Um, you're you're hey. No. If anyone, if, I'm going to be straight. If anyone puts it after my name at a gig, I will not do that gig. Really? Uh, someone did it once, and I and I and I went nuts. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I didn't get mine for music. You have to understand. Norman Jay, who uses it in his DJ name, got his for services to music. I didn't get mine for services to music. A lot of people would be surprised at that. Was it broadcasting? It was no. It was volunteering. So mine was for volunteering. It was not for... Everyone would assume it's for services to music or broadcast or something. It's not. Well, it's volunteering. I've been put in my place. Me too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so, amazing. Volunteering yeah. night in terms of youth Yeah, just going around. Yeah, just going. I went around the country for a couple of years. You know, I was, the, I was one of the few national DJs doing what I do. So I, I, it took me to all. It took me to parts of the country I'd never go to, and in every major city, they have had initiatives for 15 to 24 year olds who are disadvantaged. You know, we had people in wheelchairs coaching football. We had Sick. Muslim girls doing things that they wouldn't be doing. You know, you know what I mean. Mixing with people and 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 it was amazing. Anyone who, if you had an interest in photography, you being any interest you had. You know, it was a great initiative, I thought it was, because I, I remember six weeks holidays came around when I was like 14, 13, I was so bored. I actually yeah. hated the six week holiday because I had nothing to do. Now that's real spit, man. I used to make like a, a day out of everything. Like one time <laughs> I actually like, planned my day around going to get food. <laughs> but that's, did you find the holidays, the six weeks? Did you go anywhere? If, you, if I didn't have money, it was boring. Well, we didn't have money. Yeah. Who had money? We didn't have money. Yeah, for real. So, so we didn't I just, go anywhere. Yeah. If I weren't going on holiday, then it was just like, it dragged as well. Yeah, but when you get older... After the, after, yeah. after the first month, you, you kind of wanted to go back to school. Especially if you were half decent at school. Yeah. And I was a bit of a geek. I, was, I, wasn't a bra I wasn't a brainiest kid in my school, but I was definitely a bit of a, you know, I'd rather be at school. This you know what I mean? Thing, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't in any way... I bunked for a bit in year 11, mm. but only because I'm not going to lie. It was when I kind of got into smoking weed a bit more in it, and it was just to kind of... Just to spend so, more so you, of my time smoking you, weed. You, you really started late then, Michael. Well, no, I actually... <laughs> <laughs> Late bloomer I mean, in the building. That was sarcastic. I, uh, I, it's funny because I actually started in like year seven, but then it really kind of got intensified. Yes, yeah, so I was still like playing... I was playing with like Scooby-Doo's yeah, Tamagotchi's. <laughs> I started smoking weed before like... Before drinking and that is a man who's got uh, your brain cells working wait year properly. seven year <laughs> seven is, you could have <laughs> wait year, year seven is 11 are we talking that yeah on, on genuine so. how'd you get money but for that please was, i went to a very very well like a, a school with a lot of well-to-do boys in it and worst place culturally like socially if you're of a higher class you have more access to things so I was around kids who were buying weed from year seven because they just had more fucking pocket money. To Believe you me, years. mate. And they'd, they'd spent all this shit. You know, they bought all myth, their comic books. They bought everything else. Myth. What else was left apart yeah. from weed? Yeah. It's disposable income, man. That's what more they had. It, that so if you, so if, I had to catch up from Hackney. You weren't going to buy no weed. You were going to buy trainers if you had enough money. You know exactly. what I mean? They, they, they had the trainers bought from already and everything was sorted. Every, so exactly. So the only thing left to do was drugs, man. <laughs> We it's won't true. talk too much about so, drugs. You <laughs> um, see your voluntary work, did that lead into like you working with the Notting Hill Arts Academy and stuff? Was that No, no, not at all. That that is no, that the voluntary work was genuinely 
I, I, and then, you know, after I got that MB, my phone never stopped. Can you come and do this? Can you come and do that? It was like my raison d'etre was to just offer my time and my life to, to good causes. And I didn't want to be that guy. It wasn't about that. I just chose to do something. And I, I remember my dad, my dad was an insurance salesman after he was a, and my dad, my dad was a stubborn, stubborn, well, he still is. He's a stubborn man. But one thing about my dad, he's got his principles. He taught me a lot of principles. He never sold anyone an insurance policy he didn't have himself. My dad had a lot of insurance policies, right? Whether they, whether they worked or not. So my Is thing was- Is it chicken or egg then? Did he have yeah. it ready before he sold it to me? Did he no, just he get just, it out he, because was, he was trying to say That was it. his line whenever he went, so he said, listen, I, awesome. but he meant it. He, he, he genuinely Sincere. did. So my thing was never do something you don't believe in, really believe in, really important to me. You know what I mean? So that was just something that was important to me. I said I would have been one of them kids and I would have loved to have been part of, of this. Of course. Love to be. So no, my, that was, over a decade apart, Notting Hill Academy is purely, it's, it's a business, don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's not my business, it's someone else's business, but I believe there's a gap. I, I don't like the idea of a lot of kids going to uni, spending 30 grand. Of course. Being told they can have a future in the music business by people who have never made it in the music business. Yeah which is normally the case. And I just think, how can all these kids have a job? This, this industry, we know how microscopic this industry is. Mm -hmm. You know everyone that there is to know. I know everyone that there is to know. You know, you know what I mean? Everyone around this yeah. table knows kind of the key people. How, is it, how are you going to have thousands of kids? So what it is, it's a smaller initiative, a smaller group of people, and hopefully a few and people get put into real life situations and our meetings marketing meetings they get a, you know you see if it's something you can do yeah it's not it's not the solution it's just something that interested me and i want and i was happy to be patron of it you know i mean in this day and age there's not really a lot of youth clubs or anything going on for their youth these days so like that is a very big look um what's your involvement in terms of what you're a mentor exactly? not yeah i'm going there in a couple of weeks that i do and i meet all the students one-on-one -on -one and they tell me what they're about they present to me you know um to be honest, some of them are very wide-eyed. Some of them, I think, are really good and could get jobs in this business. It's all real talk. There's none of this, you know, it's none of this, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're, you know, I know they're pushing bursaries hard. You know, that needs to be more and more because some of the most talented kids have no money. It's mm. true. It's very and the true. biggest problem we're finding is that some of the talented kids have to you know you do get a, they do drop out some of them because yeah. they just can't afford it life takes over as yeah. yeah some of the kids with a disposable income are kind of saying well i want to see if this is for me or not we you don't it's a balance you need to have a balance well balance i mean you know me growing up mate i'm telling you my attitude was you get a job you work it don't work <laughs> work was a four-letter word still is right I never knew anyone who enjoyed work when I was growing up. Work was a means of earning money to then pursue your hobby or your interest mm. after six o'clock. Yeah. That's how we viewed it. Mm. Like, honestly, I didn't know a person who said, can't wait to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> I know more people now. People. Yeah, but I know more people now who are like that because oh, yeah, it's, it's your eyes are much more open to what is out there for you. Whereas when I was 15, 16, you're an electrician, a carpenter, mm. Plumber. A plumber, a summit or the other, um, your, your, the advice you got, yeah, your, you know, was always rubbish. No one ever believed you'd amount to anything. I didn't know one person. This is, and this is true. Not one person who went to uni of my peers, not one, not one. 
right? And this is when I was 18, 19, nobody. I didn't know, I, I, I probably did know people, but none of my inner circle, none of my yeah. close friends, not, I didn't go and visit one friend at uni. I didn't say, oh, I miss Thingy, she's at uni or Thingy. No, <laughs> we, went, we, we stayed on in the sixth form, went to college for maybe a year and then got a job. Yeah. And my first job was working in a shoe shop. That was my first job. I worked in a shoe shop and that was, I didn't know what my future As a black man in the 80s, and the early 90s, like how hard was it to be in this industry and like, stay integral? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just genuine because you got to How hard that. was it to be in this in The only way you were going to be in this industry is if you was a drummer, a bass player or a singer. Yeah. Forget being an executive. Forget about being, don't, no, there was no, it was. No space or. Uh, let me just tell you what it's like for me, right? Yeah, please. I'm sitting there and I'm sitting there and listening to the radio and I love the radio, but I never once thought, that's a job I could do, ever. Enter my, I thought, what a great job. I used to listen to these guys on radio. He says, Kenny Everett, Roger Scott, anyone, um, um, John Sachs' son, anyone, anyone who's on radio, all these people. And I used to be like, oh man, what a job. <laughs> Playing music for a living, talking stuff. And I actually remembered key things people said. Yeah. Because that's the power of when you hear it. I remember Kenny Everett playing Bohemian Rhapsody. Wow on the radio and it being five, six minutes long or something. Yeah. I've never heard anything like this. And I remember John Peel at school, all the boys, I went to a grammar school up in Old Street. Oh, Central Foundation. Central Foundation. At the time it was a grammar school. Okay. And it was a, you know, I lived in Hackney, a lot of black kids, went to this school full of white kids and we were in a minority. So I learned a lot about other music, punk, new wave, ska, you know, mods, rockers, all that stuff. They were all into everything. And I just, when I left school, I was like, okay, just work. You've got to work. My first job was importing records. I got lucky. I got really lucky. Where was that? In the record store, yeah? Well, the joke is this. I'm managing a shoe shop, right? I might have sold about five pairs a day. There's a little boutique shoe shop. Lunchtime, I'd lock the shoe shop up. Duh, that's when it's most busy because everyone else is on lunch. Yeah. And I go to the record shop <laughs> down the road, seriously, in my car, I'd nip there or I'd leave one person in the shoe shop. Just to keep an eye on just, yeah. just to see what's come in because I was record mad. The guy who works in the record shop said, you know more about records than me. I need someone to, I've got this old school catalogue. I don't even know any of the titles. I wonder if you can help me, blah, 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 blah. Next minute I had a job, not behind the counter, doing imports. That job changed my life. It changed my life. I got £111 a week, right? What, what, what that, year was this? This is, why, 85, 84, Ooh, 84, 85. That's what I was asking. Boring. Right? <laughs> hey, that was no money. Shut up. That was before tax. That was before tax. You were boring. No, man. That was before tax. So when you take the tax out of it. No, no, but, but it was a great... Sorry, I'm going to hog this so much, man. It was the greatest job ever, and I'll tell you why, because... It meant I could leave the shoe shop job, obviously. I, was, I don't know, I was 21, something like 22. I don't know what I was, but I, I could leave the shoe shop job. And it was a great job because they gave me a little old van, right? And my job was to get on the phone to America. And it was as simple as this. What have you got out this week? What's come out? So literally, Public Enemy. Jesus. When Public Enemy first came on the planet, I was there. We got this new band called Public Enemy. And I'm like... Okay, what what they sound like? He'd take the phone, 
put it next to the speaker and it's just noise. You can imagine yeah. Shockley and all them. It's just noise. I said, what is that? He said, man, it's hot. It's hot in New York. You need some. You need some. And I'd say, give me 50. No, man, you need more than 50, man. You're going to be on my phone. You know, and so I'd order like 300 on behalf of the company. That's and then and then I'd say, what house you got? He said, we've got some stuff on tracks. We've got some stuff coming in. We've got masters. You know, we've got Mr. Fingers or stuff like that. So it was it was DJ International. It was tracks. It was hip hop from Def Jam. It was all those little satellite labels. You know, and if there was a quirky tune that was blown up in New York, but it was on an independent, yeah. I'd have to order that. So, and then I'd race to the airport, count them in the cold. That's, that's actually crazy. Right? The put them back on, put them back on the van and then race to every specialist record shop. There were about three companies that did this in London. Just, Bluebird, Catch a Yeah, all these shops, Groove Records. Pull your van up on a yellow line. Run in the store. All these big DJs are waiting there. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you're the guy. You're and I'm the, the little guy. I'm the little guy, but I'm the guy. I'm I don't guy, care. Yeah, yeah. They're big DJs, but I'm the guy they wait for. Me. You need me. <laughs> so I, 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 I loved it, man. I go in, I pull it out. I, it was all about status. It was yeah. all about status. And I'd walk in, little me, and I'd just feel big. I'd feel so big. I loved it. And count them out. And I say, you sold out of them. I told you you sold out of them, didn't I? <laughs> you know what I mean? I told you. You got any left, Jeff? No, I've got none in my van. But then the other van company yeah, might like, come and they might have some. It was a game. But it's a hustle, and that's what I liked about it. Job it was like, <laughs> it was, it was like a hustle. You're driving around, you're parking illegally, yeah, you're continue. getting out, you're filling out your pad, you're coming home, and when you get back to the office, which was just up the road, yeah. Stratford, that was where we were based, Stratford. Okay. I'd get all the way back to Stratford. I'd have gone Southend, Edgeway Road, everywhere. Jesus. And I'd come back. It'd be about eight o'clock on the phone again. What you got, man? I've sold out of that. Have you got any more of that? My job was like, I was working 15 hours a day. But you loved it. I loved it. That's the best thing about I it. I loved man. it. And it set me on. And then the year after that, or that year, I was still DJing. I started DJing. Sorry, guys. You ain't going with no, me. No, no, that's perfect. That's me. That's me. That's me. I, start, I started DJing. All right. All right. I, for, anyone, yeah. for anyone just listening, there is a fireplace that's been lit. We're all kind of lying on, on our stomachs. No, but, no, but my, my story, honestly, my story, my story is, I love my story because it's so honest and, and real. Sounds inspirational and it, and, well. it, and, it, and, and everyone says you must have been really ambitious. I wasn't. It just all fell into place like this. So I was doing that. And then at the same time, I had a sound system. Yeah. Everybody had a sound system or was part of a sound system or was a box boy for a sound system or... That promoted for a sound. You had to be connected to a sound system. The big sound systems of my time were Rap Attack, okay. Mastermind, Fresh Beat. They were on the other side of town. In my part of town in Hackney, it was Sir George. It was reggae. Reggae was yeah. killing it. Jemmy Magic, people like that. So I started a sound and I thought, I don't want all them reggae heads in my party. They're going to bully me, tell me what I must play. Yo, Trevor, come see the truth, What they believe soul music is and funky music and hip-hop is yeah. is not what we think it is. Yeah, there's like two-steps. That's all they're like, what we called old-school two-step, yeah. grinding up against the ball. Right? Dubs, I wanted to play Dougie Fresh. I wanted to play James Brown. I wanted to play... I was a bit like that, so... And I had a few friends. I had a core of mates in Hackney that were different, a bit like me. We used to dress a bit different. We were different. It was tougher in them days. Mm. You couldn't look like Michael, right? <laughs> you know, no, but you know what I mean? You couldn't, you couldn't dress with freedom. You couldn't, you get picked on a lot. Mm. So I decided to call my sound Mad Hatters. 
because I, I said no one's going to look at that mm. and say I can't I've got to be at that rave of course because it didn't have high power in the name or, or Saxon King Power or something like that so <laughs> the names are sounds I, I did crazy. I did a little party we used to do stupid little blues parties and someone put the electricity back on in a, in a dead flat or something with a nail and whoever found the flat runs the door and all we wanted to do was DJ but we all took loans out to buy decks mixer and all that stuff we were all in debt for a couple of grand each me and my two mates so I'm playing this party in late and there's probably 80 people in this party at most right I ain't making no money never made money I didn't make money for five years but Tosca a guy called Tosca and I'm putting this on record it's important that this guy gets some some shine Tosca was in there a guy called Tosca and he you know, he was with a guy called Lyndon C. Lyndon C with Derek, Derek Bowlins, one of Derek Bowlins' best mates. They were like best mates. Derek B was like, he was a great DJ, a great DJ. He ended up being a rapper. He ended up being our most successful early early rapper. He rapped in an American accent. Yeah. He got a deal, I think, on Profile. He was... Serious. He, he played at Live Aid. What? He rapped at Live Aid on stage, right? So what year was this? This is, I don't know. He probably, Live Aid was probably um, late 80s, 87 yeah. or something. But anyway, but Derek was first and foremost a hot, hot DJ. He was one of my favourite DJs. So Lyndon being in there and Tosca, you know, I was playing my tunes, my rear grooves and, mix, you know, whatever I was playing, I was very eclectic even when I was a youth. And then I walked, worked in a record shop the next day and someone said to me, Tosca's looking for you. And I said, well, Tosca, is he? Because Tosca, <laughs> Tosca's always buying, Tosca always wants the best tunes, he wants everything. <laughs> I said, he came back, he said, great party the other night. I said, yeah, he said, you heard of Kiss FM? It was a brand new station. This was the, when it was pirate, yeah? Brand new station. Okay. Two of my favourite DJs were on this station, Norman Jay and Paul Anderson. Jeez, Norman Jay's a legend. Norman Jay and Paul Anderson. And I said, yeah, of course I do, because you want to be on it? Shit came out of my pants. <laughs> right? Right? And I stood behind the counter. I was, at this point, I was now working, I was yeah. managing the record shop and I went, yeah, right. He said, I'm going to put you in touch with a guy called Gordon Mack. Blah, blah, blah. Gordon will sort it out. So I met Gordon Mack. And the first show I got, we was a weekend station at the time. Okay. The first show I got was one till four in the morning. Graveyard T- shift. Turn. Graveyard. I didn't even know what the graveyard shift was, <laughs> but I was excited. Of course. I went up there, did my show. I did my show. I, I don't, you don't want to hear me on radio. I sound so miserable because no one ever smiled in them days. Yeah. We never took pitch. Two things we never did. Never carried cameras. Everything was, everything's, you're going to hear everything from hearsay. Anyone who had pictures, I'm sorry, no one I knew took, took yeah. pictures of anything. There's barely any pictures of me in the 80s, right? Jeez. Barely any. So I did my show. I was like, I did a little competition the first day I did my show, I remember. Was it like win a free pair of headphones? No, it was win. <laughs> I'll tell you what it was. Win across the tracks, seven inch single, which was worth about 50 quid. It was rare at the time. And I remember Gordon Mack calling me up and said, you ain't doing that competition, I want that. <laughs> and, I, and, and Kiss, Ricky. you know, I was on Kiss. Yeah. I was on Kiss, basically. And that, was, that changed my life because I loved being a pirate. Of course. I loved being a pirate. There's a lot of competition. There's a lot of pirates out there. Everyone said they were the best. You know, LWR said they were the best or so. But we knew yeah. we had the most eclectic mix of DJs. We... You know, if you think back to who was on Kiss FM in them so days. So Rodigan was on there as well, Westwood. Well, to begin with, no. Judge Jules. Yeah. Woo. Um, me. I got Jazzy on there. 
Well, Jazzy got himself one there, but I, I, you know, you had to, yeah. you had to say, you had to recommend somebody. It was that kind of station, yeah. and you were put on there for your music, not your pre- presenting skills. So we I had juggled. Yeah, it was all about people who knew music. Everyone on that station had a collection. Everyone was, you know. And we spent a lot of money on music, man. I can imagine records were expensive back Ridiculous. then. Ridiculous. All my wages went on records, everything. You didn't get nothing free or just live one nothing. out when it was didn't get any. We didn't get any promos sent. I wasn't on any mailing list. Yeah. We bought all our music import. You know, music cost a lot of money then. Yeah. I'd be spending 100 plus a week on music and I was earning about 100 pounds. Yeah. Honestly, how many vinyl would you say you've owned in your lifetime? Even if there's probably, parts of your collection that right, you don't own Probably 20,000, I'd say. Oh I, I, I've got about 10 now because I've moved house so many... When I first moved house, right, I remember I called on my mates, we helped me move house. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, we get about five cars, just move furniture, move house. After that, no one turned up because of my records. This is no like one. you and your trainers, isn't no it? One, no one, no me, one yeah. showed up because of the, the music. and Records are heavy as well. And yeah. that but, but, but let me give you a picture of what it was like in them days. It became a thing, buying records. Buying records became a look. If a guy bought records, he'd carry that record bag everywhere with him that day. It's like if a guy bought a belt from Cecil G's, he'd carry that bag everywhere with him. In fact, for four weeks. Cecil G. You get what I'm saying? You buy a silk shirt. Or you go to Balenciaga. That's what I'm saying. Or you go Russell and Bromley's. Them reggae boys used to buy their Crocs or their skins. They'd be carrying... Cecil G. I'm telling you, man. They're carrying a Russell and Bromley bag for like a week. Dude, you bought them. <laughs> Put them in your bedroom. Nah, man, it's still coming. But that's how we were. We, we Little things we mm-hmm. absolutely clung on to. Like Harrods bags and shit. It was like really important. People knew what you were about yeah. from watching you walk down the street. It was important how you dressed to identify whether you was a soul boy, a reggae boy, a skinhead, a, a, a mod, a rocker. You yeah. had to have an identity. No one walked down the road neutral. That didn't happen. And then you'd have an accessory. The accessory told them what you're about. You either have a Sony Walkman, mm. which meant you're music mad. Then reggae boys had a ghetto blaster yeah, walking yeah. down the street. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, it, it, you had to, it was real. Identity was so important to everybody. You, you were literally a first-hand witness of the birth of a subculture with a funky dread. Yeah. Being so close yeah. to... Uh, to Jazzy B as well. How far does your relationship with Jazzy B go? <laughs> goes, Were you like, like childhood yeah. friends? I'm not, I'm no, not... I'll, tell you, I'll tell you when we met. I can tell you exactly what the day we met. We met, uh, there was a club called Trends in, in Stoke Newington. And anyone who's old enough Oh, my days. Would know I, about, I trends. about Trends. Trends like, was... I've got an older sister. So yeah, I... yeah. You talk about Trends, I know about Trends. Yeah. When you went in Trends... Um, They'd probably give you a knife to walk in there with. Swear down, is that is that? They search you. I'm, I'm going to be honest. At one point, I'm going to be honest. At that point, living in Hackney, everybody carried something. It was yeah. a silly period, right? You know, yeah. because and it was kind of like a, a bit like today. People don't understand why kids would do that and say it's for protection. But in a way, it kind of was just because you just didn't know. It was really weird. It was silly because I'm not a violent guy at all. Mm. But no, Trends, what I'm trying to say, Trends was a local club that did a lot of local events. But my mum used to charm mind the guy who ran it when he was a kid. 
Right. She was Safe a childminder. Yeah. yeah, so Glenn, Glenn Trent, he passed away, unfortunately, which was really sad. But he used, when he was, he was younger than me, yeah. and, but his family owned the club. So I said, Glenn, I want, I'd like to do a soul night in there. So they gave me a, a Friday night. That's sick. On a Friday as well, man. That's yeah. banging. Yeah. Before I get to this, I've got to tell you about my first ever gig at Dougie's. Have you ever heard of a club called Dougie's, which is Clapham Pop, right on Clapham, on that roundabout. Right. Clapton roundabout. Yeah, they used to be called Dougie's. There used to be a big place, the White Line pub next to it, I think. Oh, Clapton roundabout. Yeah, Clapton. And then there was Mingles further down. But anyway, Dougie's held about 600 people. I've got a Thursday night, my first ever gig. I did it with a guy called Stafford. Do you know how many people turned up? Ten? Nah, man. Three times that amount. Hey. Oh, 30 people turned up. Do you know how many on the guest list? 40. 27. 27 on the guest list. I have three payers. Obviously, they didn't give me another night. Yeah. <laughs> so I, come, man, come. And I'm busy playing all my freaky, weird music, and I, I had to make a decision. And I think decisions... Even some people might be listening to this, and they might be embarking on a music career. Decisions you make even at that age, are sometimes the most important decisions you're ever going to make in your life. And mm. I made about four or five decisions in my life that I've stuck to that have been the right decisions. So I don't believe when you're 15 or 16 or 17 or 18, you're not aware. I don't, I don't, I never talk to teenagers like they're stupid. Yeah. Because I remember saying to, I remember looking at Stefan and going, boy, three people paid, man. And the pl club was vast, <laughs> but everyone was dancing. That's the most important. And I said, look, man, this is two, two options here. You either play what everyone wants and you become a DJ for hire. Yeah. And you, you play, but you pl you're, you're playing what people want. You're not, you're not getting an identity. Yeah. Or my attitude is I'm looking at this crowd. I'm going to grow this crowd. This crowd, this crowd like me, we're in Hackney, we're the underdogs. I'm going to grow this crowd. It's like, you're going to learn, man. You're going to yeah. learn. <laughs> no, but, but you know what? And I look at what people like Chance and all these people do with their communities. And, you know, I don't even know what they will do because I'm not a social media freak. But all this DIY culture that's going on, I believe in it. I've always believed in it because it's what I've always done. So by the time we went, so when I left that place and I went and did um, the gig at Trends, I was yeah. confident that I'm going to promote this Friday night. Mm. So my theory was week one, you guest list it heavy. You, yeah. you lose money. Week two, you lose money, but you must go up. Of course. In week three, of you're aiming to break even. Week three is the most important week of your night, of your, of your run. Because if you break even on week three, after that, you are plain sailing. Because I'm taking it for granted they will love the music, right? That's sick yeah. how you describe it. Like right, that, yeah. so I'm week two. I've got a few people in. Week three, I'm on my break-even week. I'm ready. I've, I've brushed my teeth. I've got fresh jeans on. I've, I've been selecting my shoes. I know this is the week. Glenn's going to look at me and go, mate, you got Fridays for good. I rock up at the club, double booking. Trev, sorry, man. I've got a, fa got a fashion show, Trev. Sorry, man. Can't do this. I said to him, Glenn, how long have I known you? We're arguing. He said, Trev, I'm at, he's about 6'4", Glenn was. I was like, all right. <laughs> I stood at the door telling people it's not on. The worst feeling, you know that feeling? It's not on, it's cancelled. Everyone looking nice. Meanwhile, <laughs> everyone in their heels. These guys, these guys are bringing speaker boxes in, right? With one of them had little dreadlocks. And he's getting in trouble because he's got no trousers on. If he's only a box, he's bringing the boxes. That was HB Soul to Soul, dragging boxes in. So I'm driving, a, I had an orange Mini and a guy pulls up in a purple Honda Prelude or a Mauve one. He pulls over, he winds the window down, he goes, you mad at her? I said, who are you? He said, 
come over and goes, I'm Jazzy B, soul of soul. Sound exactly <laughs> like him. So I'm like, so I'm like, like you don't know me. <laughs> I heard about you lot. You pulled off some big warehouse party in, yeah. in King's Cross. I heard you was counting money for like days oh. in black dustbin liners. <laughs> it's this famous party they did. I heard about this yeah, right about by, by the uh, by I'm King's Cross. By King's Station. Cross, yeah. They on his show, he, he talks about it a bit yes, more. Yeah, yes. that and this is and all that's true. And Judge Jules was involved. Yeah, in it's that as all well, right? true. It's yeah. all true. Jules, Judge Jules was a young guy. He's actually a year younger than me, I think. Jules, and he's a young guy, and he was a North London boy. And the, the young Jewish kids in North yeah. London were the most receptive to black music. That's a really odd thing. They had this massive Jewish teenage bass that were yeah. into hip-hop rare they wanted it they yeah. just wanted it right and so it, norman J was involved jazzy b uh -huh. had the sound system norman had sound, and they pulled something off and i had nothing to do with it because i wasn't on that i wasn't part of that clique i was yeah, just yeah. a local bod from hackney mm. so when i said to jazzy you don't know me i meant it yeah i said i've heard of you because my best mate leaves my parties to go wherever you lot are <laughs> because she's always in some trendy ass spot while I'm in Hackney. Yeah, yeah. Because Hackney, Hackney was not trendy, mate. You see, London feels like it is now. London feels was a no-go area back yeah. in the day. You're crazy. So I was like, I was kind of happy to, that he knew me because all he said to me, because what he said to me, he said, I said, how do you know me? He goes, I heard you got tune. That's all he said in that, that. Mate, that's all I need to hear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then I said to him, that, that, was, that was your thing. That was the thing. It's like someone said, I hear you can rhyme, man. You know, it's, it's it. the thing. Yeah, totally. So he, then Marcus he's like, yeah, yeah, that's me. <laughs> you should have been like, yeah, yeah, I got a couple. <laughs> Check Jazzy's next line. Come to my office. Ooh. I'm like, what's that man's got an office? Are you? I said, where's your office? He goes, Camden. And Camden was, you have to understand, in the 80s was the place to be. Camden was Shoreditch way before yeah, Shoreditch. Camden, Camden was the hub of every, it was the being, you know yeah. what I mean? I was so impressed. So I had to play it cool. I was like, all right, all right, I'll come up and see you. Went up and saw him. So it was, it, you know, mate, if his office was like this place now, this place is Buckingham Palace, the Jazz's <laughs> office, right? But my point is, he had a space. Yeah. There was H on the decks, there was Sparky. Who was uh, you know? Who was he had a lifestyle store. Yeah, mate. He had. He didn't have the store yet. Oh, he just had the space. Oh, this right. is pre-store. This is just the space. This is before everything. Mm. This is at the at soul soul couple of years in, you know. But I was impressed, you know, because he was organised. But I thought no one makes a living out of a sound system. Everything we do is illegal. Like, you can't make. He said. I said. I, he said. Prince's trust. Uh, for real Prince's Trust they helped me with my with my um, postage with this with the, my rent with, yeah that's why I believe you know what I mean because I saw it in action and um, from that moment on we just we got on mm. we did a party in Hackney which is a great idea it was a jeans jam it's the first time I earned money from a party I'd ever done and um, he showed he taught me a lot he taught me a lot you know, like in terms of, he didn't teach me, I just observed. Mm. Him and Norman were the two people I observed the most, just watching them. And the fact that they, everything they put on, they made sure they was on a cut of it or in control of it, more importantly. Not so much the cut, because I was tired of being in debt. I was always in debt for music. I maxed out my credit cards. I mean, I owed about five grand on records, owed. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. That's I, a passion, I was, man. <laughs> dude, I was an addict. It was horrible. 
I lost everything to music. Seriously, I lost my girl, everything, right? I've got stories for you. But anyway, them guys taught me. I mean, so my thing was Norman was on Kiss. I wanted to get Jazzy on Kiss. I kept putting the saying to Gordon, you need to get Jazzy on Kiss. But Jazzy, so so were getting bigger and bigger and bigger. They were going to get on anyway. And it was was a really good family. One day, Gordon Mack turns around and says, you know, Kiss FM's going to shut down. Sorry, just quickly, was Kiss F- is it true that it was on a boat back in the day? No. Okay, so I just wanted to clarify. <laughs> it, it, not in my time. It wasn't on a boat, no. <laughs> no. That's Caroline. I'm, I'm mixed up with like That's Radio Caroline. That's Radio 1. That's the original Radio 1. Radio Caroline, yeah. Radio Caroline was the original romance. And everyone thought Pirate Radio is romance. That's why it's called Pirate. Mm. Because it was on a boat. Car- Radio Caroline, and it wasn't the only station on a boat, in the 60s, that's what they did. They put them on boats because you can't touch them. Yeah. There was no law that says you can't broadcast from a boat, mm. but there was a law that kind of said you can't illegally broadcast from land or something like yeah, that. Yeah. So they, they got around the rules. Loopholes. What we did, we just did the original microwave link. You're in one building. You're, transmit you're, you're far away. <laughs> when you get done, yeah. Do, it? Like, we ain't got no seas around. Which, like, yeah. When you get done, <laughs> yeah. When you get when you get done, you get done. Yeah. But they, whenever they found the DTI, who were the enemy, DTI. DTI oh. When they they grab your they grab your shit, but they don't grab you. Yeah. You're naive if you got your stuff in the same place. Yeah, but course. what we were gutted about was, man, my show. If we got done on the Friday night, my show ain't on on the Sunday, and I'm. I'm in bits, man. I hate that when you go on pirate radio. I'm on I've spent a hundred pounds on records this week. Them records don't mean nothing next week. That's how we were. Yeah, of yeah. course. Next week's a new batch, you know. I'm missing out. Everyone else is playing them. You know, we were like that. It was silly. Yeah. But one day, Gordon Mack said, um, we had a meeting. There was about 25 to 30 DJs in that room. And he said, George Power's leaving. He owned George Power, Tosca, and Gordon Mack owned yeah. Kiss FM, three of them. George Mack... Um, um, we'd already voted Tosca off for something he did. So it was just Gordon and George. George started Greek radio. He saw, he saw bigger bucks in Greek radio. Yeah. So he left and Gordon said, we've got nowhere to go. We've got no money. We need to raise two grand. We need to, two grand. There's about 25 people sitting there going, oh my God, where are we going to get that from? You're like, well, I'm in debt already. What do you want? <laughs> where are we going to get that from? He says, well, maybe if, if, if 10 of you put 200 pound in each, we put... Sorry, I'll start again. If ten of us, yeah, if ten of us put two hundred pound in each, we can raise the two grand. So even though I didn't have the money, I put my hand up because yeah, I love the station. Yeah. I, you know, that's and so ten of us did. Then it's like we got nowhere to broadcast, and I said, uh, "I got somewhere." My girlfriend's flat. Oh god! Nineteen floors up <laughs> in Leytonstone in Cattle Estate. Brilliant. Where is it? It's nineteen floors up. Where? Cattle Estate. Awesome. Da, 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 da. Got some keys cut. And then I told her. Oh. What's the, what's the saying? What's the saying? Forgiveness is um, easier to get than permission. Yeah. Mate, it's a one bedroom flat. <sighs> and you're, you're cramming in. <laughs> Sorry, Stephanie. <laughs> it, it was over. Literally How long did it after, last for? Well, no, I mean, the station came in there, they pissed everywhere, they oh. cups everywhere. Obviously, and also the threat of getting done, raided yeah. in a flat. I mean, but you, when you're in there, when, you're, when all you care about is music you and do doing this, you do anything. It was like that. I mean, you have to understand, in order to hear your favourite tune, you had to go to a club of or course. listen to Pirate yeah. Radio. You're not hearing it anywhere else. It's not, you can't open a laptop. Yeah. 
people were dedicated to this. Yeah. You know, we, I mean, we sweat blood for this. Yeah. You know, it was, a, it was a big thing, man. It was huge. It still is. That's, that's why people. Thing. This that, thing. That's it why was... people still talk about it. Yeah. So affectionately, yeah. even the, the grime MCs who, who grew up on on pirate, they still talk so affectionately yeah. about so, it. Uh, you know, there was nothing else. Yeah, there was nothing else. You know, like we. The, Internet was just coming up. Pirate Radio exactly. was my life. So solid, delight FM. Yep. But, but, and we're talking a, de- a generation before that. Yeah. So imagine what we were like. Yeah, of course. We were starving. So, so I mean, things accelerated, you know, and we were, I was enjoying life in the, in the 80s. It was like, fashion was great. You could wear what you like. Yeah, you have afro or you always and, bored. Mate, this is my problem. It's a, it's a sad thing. And I'll, and I'll come clean about the whole yeah. hair thing. Everyone might want to know. I'm just curious. Mate, no, no, no. This, this is the thing. Whatever you're going to say, you made it. You, you owned it, bro. Yeah, you yeah. It's through necessity, Michael. Serious. <laughs> but no, in the, in, the, in the 80s, I'm like, so I'm, I'm, let's go back to Jazzy. I'm like, Jazzy's like, so this is Jazzy. He's, he's so funny. He's like, so why are you called Mad Atta then? And I'm like, just I just come up with a stupid name. You don't wear hats, though. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but I just come up with a stupid name because a funny name, because I wanted my sound to sound a bit different to the norm. He said, well, we're the funky dreads. We got funky dreads. <laughs> <laughs> Trev, man, you got to wear a hat. Yeah. So then I became a mad, mad hat wearing. I had about 50 hats. I used to go and buy hats for so much money. Swear. More debt. <laughs> wear them. Wear them while I'm DJing. White brim hat while I'm DJing. Sweat the shit out of the hat. Ruin the hat. Ruin my hair in the meantime. Because ne- no one ever saw my hair again. Serious. I just, I used to have a sort of quiff. All my boys were James Brown freaks. So yeah. we quiffed it up. But my quiff always went flop. Because I didn't know them boys were spraying here, spraying their shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would never do that. But... So I became the Mad Hatter anyway, and I wore hats, wore hats all the time. And then um, we could get to the point when I shaved my head. I remember the day I shaved my head for the first time. It, it changed my life. It's a, it's, remember I said there's points in my life where things yeah. happen. The first one was the first one was being at that club and 30 people turned up. Yeah. Right. And me deciding I'm going to grow this instead of become a DJ for hire. Yeah. I'm going to. I still want control. Want my own thing. And I'd rather have. 10 more people, then 15. I did parties for 50 people. Mm. People talk about them like they're legendary. More people say they were there than were there. <laughs> you know what I don't think but you know more people yeah I used to follow Mad Hatter yeah bruv I, I bump into people on Oxford Street they tell me this shit I'm like I'm looking at them going well, I don't mind I like it I think it's funny so um, it just means they knew you from Hackney that's all or they went in a record shop you were in once they didn't go to your parties yeah. and all of them but um, so that was one thing. Another thing was, um, I remember when Kiss got a license. What year was that? I was going to Na- say you 90s. were part of it. 1990. Yeah. It's a massive, massive. Ooh. How long was you on it before the license? Like um, five? We started, we were five years, but two of those years we were off air applying for a license. The, right. the, the government said, we're going to give you a license, someone a license but you've got to go through the normal channels and apply. So people like LWI said, we don't believe you. Most of them said, we don't believe you. They carried on with their hustle because they was doing all right, making a bit of money. We weren't, we were subsistence. We weren't making money. Every penny we got went back in the station mm-hmm. and we tried to do it the right way. The first station that got a license was Jazz FM. We were gutted. So it could have caused mutiny in the camp because... Mm. It, DJs are sitting there going, I told you, I told you, they just wanted us off the air. Yeah. They were never going to give a shit. You know how this is. The system's corrupt. Rah, rah, rah. Gordon, to his credit, persuaded us all. And these are guys hungry to do radio. Yeah. To wait. Try again. He must have known something. 
And we tried again. When we got that license, bruv, it was the only time my dad and music, my dad always said, I'm going to go to the reggae university. He didn't approve at all of my madness with music. Yeah. Not knowing that it's his collection that it's inspired me, yeah. that inspired me the most. But he always worked. And I remember we shared a glass of champagne just because I think my dad couldn't believe it. And yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I'm, and then when they said, we want you to do, first of all, they, the first shot for me was, we want you to be on the board of directors, the only DJ on the board of directors. I'm 25. <laughs> and they said, you're on the board of directors. Wow. So next to me was, Richard Branson's lawyer on the other side was nah. a big man from man, ridiculous. I didn't what? know what I was talking about, but I still went to the meetings with a big wide brim hat because I was a mad hatter. So I'm sitting there like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. I bought me my first ever new car because I got, I think I got 10 grand a year for being on the board. Yeah. Back in 90, that was some was change. Big money, that man. Was all right. How was did right. it feel like when you paid off all your debts? Uh, excuse me? <laughs> what are you talking about? Paid off debt? Oh, oh, yeah. You're from the project. You know oh, you're a record. Why do you think he moves past so much? Do you know? He's got fishes now. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. I want to get. I want to jump to that. But when we got the license, when we got the, li I mean, yeah, it's. I'm gonna. That's a really good point because that is a real point, and I will tell you because at some point money does become. You know, you can say you do things for the love and you can keep saying that till the cows come home. Eventually, money, money becomes important, yeah. right? It Absolutely. does become important. But um, the, that changed my life, 1990. That changed my life. It changed all our lives. It changed the listening habit. It changed the lives of a lot of people in London because Choice FM had already been granted a local license okay. like for, for, for bricks in South London. And, and then in North London, I had a little one in North London, so I had Tottenham and, they, and there was, a, I think, another one called W, WKND or something, W, I can't remember, there was a little North London one as well, mm. but Kiss was London-wide, yeah. proper dance station, and the music coming out was all over the place, it was house, yeah. British people were now making their own music, a lot of house, a lot of British music was being made, we had the DJs that could handle all that, you know, I was there and they said, we want you to do a daytime show. What daytime shows? Yeah. Oh, okay. So I did that for a bit, but unfortunately, I fell in love, got married, and I lost my way. Yeah. It became all about, you know, my life, my kid, and it, it, it was a bit. It was a bit crazy. It was a bit crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. It wasn't easy, and I lost the plot, and they they fired me off daytime what? for my attitude. Can you believe me? <laughs> for my for, no but for the way I was I yeah. was really down and I wasn't really being myself yeah. I mean Gordon to be fair Gordon called me in his office and he started crying well you detached from everything yeah that, that he started crying when he fired me you know he was like yeah I didn't care yeah I did not care I was not in a good place and that's when I shaved my head <laughs> I shaved my head that was the third thing I did that was a great thing to do no the second thing was the, the week we were on on air yeah I'm driving through Hackney and this is, this is something that Michael will understand massively, being slightly older than I think most of you around the table, right? <laughs> I'm a dinosaur. Right, this is, this is, the, this yeah. is a big yeah. thing. It's a big thing for me. So I'm driving through Hackney and there's a guy called Ricky Rankin who was born and brought up in Hackney, same as me, but he talked just like a yardie. Mm. And that you used to have a lot of that back in the day. Mm -hmm. You used to have us guys who talk like, you know, black Cockney Londoners, yeah. that's what we are. And then you'd get the guys that talk like pure yardies. But yeah. never been Jamaica. <laughs> he, he probably had, but when he was you, you know what I mean? <laughs> so he stops me in my car. I'm going on up to Forest Gate where I was living at the time. He said, Cheva! Why now the window, man? I can 
He's like, listen, man, I heard you on the radio today, man. Respect my brother and all this shit. Respect, respect, respect. He's giving it and he goes, but hear what? I said, what? It's not like a white man. No, he said to you, yeah? So I said, Ricky, later, yeah? What? No, no, I was, no, I was good. No, I was good. No, I was good. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. I said, all right, Ricky, later, man. I wound the window up. I sounded like me, yeah. basically, right? And I drove, I, that drive to Forest Gate was the longest drive. It only takes 20 minutes. Yeah. It's the longest drive of my life. Mind was doing over It was my first week. I was still core Hackney boy. I hadn't seen the big bad world. I hadn't even been out of London much, you know mm. what I mean? And this guy's hitting me with this one. And I was like, I remember going home and sitting there and panicking. Shit, I sound like a white guy. What does he mean? What's he trying to say? He knows me all my life. What's he talking about? Well, he never said that to me before. I've always talked like this, but he thought on the radio I should put on a voice. Yeah. That was him talking. And I had to make a decision. You know, and I, my decision was, no, sorry, mate. I sound like me. Yeah. And that's it. If I'm not going to make an effort to go on the radio and put on a persona. I'm not knocking people who do it. Of course. You have, you know what I mean? Some people got a shtick, they got a shtick, that's your shtick. Mm. My shtick is, I'm me, right? Yeah. That was decision number two. Decision number three was I shaved my head a couple of years later. Yeah. That was a big one. <laughs> that was a huge decision. Because I shaved my head. I, no one had seen me for like a year. I was lost in the abyss of life. <laughs> horrible madness. That I had no money, I'd lost all my money, um, tried to buy a house, lost all my shares in Kiss, down to zero. Oof. I, I, someone just stole my car, it wasn't even insured. Oh. I borrowed six grand to buy the car. They couldn't, they wouldn't let me insure it because it was a hot hatch. They, they were coming down really hard. So yeah. It was on the forecourt of somewhere and on my birthday, someone teethed the car. Oh, Jesus. That's mad. And they found the car burnt out or they, could only, they only had the serial number left. Wow. And so I had to pay for that car for the next two years. That's hurting. I was in a terrible place, mate. That's hurt. Seriously, That's right? So I shaved my head and I was like, I dare someone come and slap me on my head. <laughs> but my mate actually walked up to me. He's the biggest piss taker I know. And he said, it suits you, you know? He just said, it suits you. Yeah. I went, really? He said, yeah, no, it really suits you. And that was it. And I, because at the time there was only a couple of black people with bald heads that I knew. <laughs> Michael Jordan was yeah, my inspiration to shave my head, actually. He gave me the like, because if you look at him with the same skin tone, everything, you know what I mean? I, I just went, and it, and it really is a scary thing. You know, you, I'm not being, it, it's, it seems like nothing, but it was a scary thing to me back then. No one did it. Yeah. No one, well, not no one did it, but very few people did it. Absolutely. It's and a you, massive statement to, to, you, you, to literally go bald. You've, massive, all of you in this room have only known me bald. Yeah, yeah. that's why I was asking if you had hair. Yeah. Now, you, no, I've still got hair growers. Yeah. I, I would have a devil's peak. Yeah. Like my, my family, hereditary, we, we normally go, we get that little devil's peak, yeah. you know. Yeah. Like Usain Bolt's going to have one, you know what I mean? Yeah, you can yeah, see yeah, it, right? Yeah. Yeah. He could be in my family. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. And a lot of black guys have got that. So that was a big, big thing for me. And that gave me a lot of confidence. Mm -hmm. And that's probably the only reason I managed to move on and do stuff, you know, visually, because I, I wasn't a confident guy before that yeah, at all. You have literally been, uh, it seems like a jack of all trades, but master of all of them. You've gone from, you know, 
a renowned DJ to a re renowned, we, we, we've, we've touched on your, your work as a, as a DJ, as a broadcaster. Yeah. Uh, not a lot of people know about your A&R work as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then That's... there's obviously, you know, being, being a, a household name on our mm. TVs with the- I've done some silly shows as well, you know, that a lot of people never saw, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, but I, you know what it is? You know what it is? I think, and it's funny because the first thing I said when I came and I said to Becca, I said, well done, congratulations mm. on your presenter award. Mm -hmm. Because you need to, when you get acknowledgement, you need to be encouraged, you know what I mean? And it's not all you can do. It leads to other things eventually because it means someone likes your personality, some, there's something about you. But I also am quite afraid, you know what I mean? I've been, I'm not like, I know a lot of people who just fearless, and we'll do anything. I remember being at home. I remember being at home, getting my Technics. First time I had my Technics, it's a wonderful moment, right? And you get your mixer. And I remember spinning back and keeping that loop going. Before we had all them Serratos and yeah. everything, it was a pure vinyl and 12 scratching. Tens, yeah. yeah, 12 tens, rain, rain, mixer, you know, scratching, just keeping it going. I thought I was like Flash. Come in a club, I'd never do it. Never do it. You never hear me go, fuka, fuka. never, <laughs> never. Because unless I felt I was the best or really good at something, really, really good, I wouldn't touch it. Right. I would always let, you'd, I would always let other people do it. And I'd always let someone who's better than me do something that's better than me. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, of course, Rather yeah. than that's the lean, stumble through and yeah. say, oh, I can do that, I can do that. Yeah. There's a lot of DJs I noticed would be truly ambitious with what they want to do and probably not capable to do what they want to do. So I stuck to what my strengths were. You know, I'm a selector at heart. I was going to say, yeah. I'm that, a selector. The, in, in the bits, those were, it wasn't about how technically able nah. you were. You, you, you kind of revered certain DJs for doing that, but you didn't try it. You yeah. just knew that you were, when there was a party that needed exactly. starting, exactly. you were a man to yeah. People the don't kids, care about the freaking freaking The kids, freaking the all kids all were cutting and scratching a lot. It was a lot of battling going on with it. You'd have a sound system, you have someone who could do that. Mm. But the most revered person in the sound system it's the selector, end of story, the selector, the guy. If you're known for what you chose to play or your tune selection or where you can take the party, yeah, of course you've got to be able to blend the tune and yeah, keep the course. party going. But, you know, anally holding the tune in the mix for three minutes, yeah. the only people who cared about that were guys who wanted to do it. Yeah, of course. Girls are like, dude, What's when's the, the vocal the coming yeah. in? <laughs> when's the vocal, you, know, you know what I mean? I, I, you know, another big decision was, you know, I, I, used, I said I used to have a core of, people from my era used to come to my parties and it was great to see them because you could put something on and they get the party started because yeah. everything was about dancing in those days you know it was no we walked into a club mate i i used to queue up to go electric ballroom when i was 19 at 9 30. i was wow. the third person in the queue paul anderson would walk past me with his record boxes and my heart would go funny you know what i mean because that's the guy who's going to play all my electro funk yeah. in a minute i'm going to be walking up to him going I'll be walk, trying to get on the stage going to my mate, should I ask Paul what that tune was? You know what I mean? And he'd be like, then you're like, I'm going to do it. Dude, yeah, yeah, it's a big deal. Because you're not going to know what it is. Yeah, Who's going to tell yeah. you? No you're not, gonna I'm going to go home and, and, and go on the internet. There was no internet. I can't. You, you, you're you're this in a club. Is, this is actually bad, you know. Yeah, when you so actually mad. think about it, it's scary to think that like there was no Shazam. There was no way you could remember some of the lyrics and Google no. it. No. Yeah. It's, it's a completely no. different you world. Didn't Mate, you are, the DJ was so powerful. You were standing on the dance floor. I'm telling you now, 
some kids are break dancing, some are popping, some are locking, some are sliding. You're doing whatever you're doing. Again, I could dance, but I wasn't the best dancer. So, so you didn't I've, make I've been show busting the, moves yeah, everywhere, yeah. but come the club, I'm just on the periphery. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's me. So, and, and that, is, that was, the, and we'd have two pound on us. And it'd be like, we'd come out the club, I'd buy one tango. And I'd have about 150 or no, more than that, 160, 70 left. And I could buy KFC. Was it, still, was it still in the, it's the still same... It's still the same place. No way! Same place. Fuck you. That hell. KFC's been there for, forever, right? If we bought KFC, we're walking home. Yeah. And that's three-mile walk. That chicken right? had to be the one. So, <laughs> I would do that, boy. These are decisions... Me, that, that, that chicken's getting the one. These are the decisions we had to make. What did you used to get, though? 50-50. Well, it was, it was always... Nah, you just got, you just got chips, wings, and something or the other. Mm. We couldn't afford... We I, I, I afford. Know this Additional corn! I don't want to know the secret blend of herbs and spices. If Mate, we are walking... Let me much. tell you something. I'm walking home real slow. Real slow. I mean, I'm, no, real fast. No, I'm walking home real fast. I'm eating real slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because by the time I got to, to Stamford Hill, I'm good. I know I'm about a mile and a half from my yeah. house. I know that this walk takes crazy. 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And it, 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 at this time, it's about four in the morning. Because, you know, and it's beautiful, though. Beautiful. Look at me. Look at my memories. I'm, I'm lighting up at yeah, the yeah, thought yeah, of it, yeah. you know. Yeah. You know, it, to me, that's what makes you. That's when you know you love the club. Of course. Mm. You lo- I, mate, I love that club. And you didn't even drink? No. No, I didn't drink. I had a, uh, alcohol, forget it. It was just tango. It was just tango, refresh. Because you already knew you were going to So George, George Power, who used to run that night, George Power saw I was queuing up early. Yeah, where did you go? I go, I go college. I go Kingsway, Kingsway Princeton College. That's where I go. And um, he say, can you promote? You can promote. I'll give you free tickets to come in if you promote in the college. Smart man. Gives me some tickets. I'm going around the common room. I'm like... A don. So add street team to I'm a don. I'm a don. I'm like, you want to oh. go, you want to, you want to, you want a discount ticket to uh, Jersey Fun Club Electric Ball on Friday? <laughs> Once again, the plug. <laughs> All his life, yeah. team. All his All life, he's yeah. been you the plug. You want that? You want that? You want that? I'm yeah. guy again. Roll with <laughs> us, man. Roll with us. And that, that, you know, the little tiny stupid things like that is what makes you, you know, but you don't forget, you lean on them. And all these people through the 80s, I sussed out that right from now on, every gig I do, I'm promoting it. Yeah. Not because I wanted the money, because I wanted the control. Yeah. I wanted the control. I, I never wanted to be that guy who someone said, we'll walk in a club and bully you to play a record. Mm. I don't care what they're playing down the road. This mm. is what we play here. Yeah. You know, it's the only way you could protect yeah. Your, 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 your own environment, you know what I mean? So I always ran clubs. I ran a lot of different dance wicked under the arches in Vauxhall was in the 80s. It started at Electric Ballroom. One of my scratch DJ guys was one of the promoters and then we moved it to, and it was a legendary gig. You need to ask someone who's 40 about that gig because we used to put a lot of people in the arches mm. illegally <laughs> and Giles Peterson played and Jules played for us and Jazzy played and it was great. Um, seems much more fun back then with the party yeah, essence real. and stuff like that. Now it, really it seems was. more... Con- I'm not, I'm not going to be yeah. one of... Yeah, but I'm not going to be one of them people who says... Oh, like people say to me, come on, hip-hop in the old days was way better than trap today. Yeah. And they always do this because when I was that age, I was saying electro-funk was the shit. Electro-funk. Yeah. I loved electro-go-go and people say, that is rubbish. Mm. That is nonsense. You know, Planet Rock's what everyone knows, but yeah. there's so many other tunes. 
And I used to go nuts to it. I used to dress like a, a freak. You know what I mean? <laughs> so love it. Um, but looking back, I get why people say this is not. This is nonsense. You know, soul boy. This is well, this is rubbish. Yeah. So now I'm getting the same thing. Every generation in the yeah. '90s when Bad Boy were doing their thing, mm. people go, "They're all samples, man. Rubbish. Yeah. It's all yeah. samples. It's rubbish." Yeah. It, that is rubbish and now people looking back on it so affectionately like what's happened to music that yeah, was yeah, so yeah, good yeah. in the 90s but during that, you know, every <laughs> decade I hear this so I'm, I'm very I, I, there's only one music type that I would say I saw the demise of in no time that was dubstep mm. I always saw that that was that they were rushing that so quick mm. Compilation albums came out in no time. Yeah. People on the radio, dubstep, dubstep, you know, yeah. before, before. I'm sure it's it got silly. I think it, it got dubstep silly. only exists in Miami right now. It I got silly. It, it got from a, yeah. it oversaturated, man. Definitely got oversaturated. Same with a lot of scenes, though. Yeah. A lot of scenes did that. But we were hung we're hungry here. We, we're impatient. In America, they stick with a style a lot longer than we do. We are very impatient. We yeah. like to mix things up quickly and... You know, one minute was jungle, next minute was UK garage, and then it was speed garage, and then it was something else, then it was baseline, then it was this, then it was yeah, this. Yeah, you're like, whoa, <laughs> and whoa. This is all within the last decade. If you're in a different postcode, you've got a different style of music. It yeah, was like, true. you know, and a postcode could be just across the road. Mm. You know, so, you know, lots of things, man. I think that's the perfect time to take a break. Speaking about speaking of impatience, uh, we're, we're, we're quite desperate for a little uh, break. break. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Um, when we come back, we'll speak about a couple of things that are going on right now. In fact, we'll we'll speak a little bit about yeah, it, definitely, Rich. and more 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 recent stuff. Mm, absolutely, cool. Join us for the shorter half. Right, so we are back. A very very quick break, man, because we just want to get straight back into things. We've got Trevor Nelson joining us here for episode zero three nine of TBC podcast. You are listening to GRM Daily. This has become a bit of a masterclass for us. I think this is a privilege that yeah, we definitely. in this room are sharing right now. Because um, if you listened, I'm sure you did listen to the first half. You've got some absolute gems, um, and my mic's apparently facing the wrong way. So I'm, apologies if the volume was. You never for that sounded part. better, Michael. Thanks very much. <laughs> Thanks for coming from you, mate. That's. A, <laughs> <laughs> That's an absolute uh, an honour. We first met at the, um, it was Made of L Studios yeah. uh, for Radio 1 when Ed Sheeran, quite at the, be uh, the, the beginning of his career after he blew up, but well, after he got signed, yeah. he was doing a live lounge, a, a, um, a, a collaborations number five live lounge. And it, it's nice to now sort of come full circle yeah, and absolutely. be the broadcaster interviewing one of my heroes. <laughs> you know? yeah, you're definitely one of my heroes, man. Thank like, you, mate. You, ne you never think so, Ren. Nah, on a level, I'll be honest with you, I used to go home and watch the lick. Like, Honestly, that was my highlight of my week. Gen generation was the highlight of my week. You know, you were, you were a household name for m myself, my older sister, even my parents knew about it. But them. you know what's funny, though? I was aware through every single minute of how important us just being on telly was. Yeah. Can I be honest with you? We, yeah, yeah, be, totally. When I was in the, I got a job in the record industry. In, you know, I kind of, I actually got invited in mm -hmm. to, to, to work actually. In, when I say industry, I mean the big house. Yeah, yeah. Right. And it was a bit against, it was a, like the devil's house to me because I always, I spent my whole youth buying imported records that never got released in this country because people didn't believe in them or British acts that, had a hit and then didn't get the support they wanted, all this sort of stuff. So I always thought the industry, the industry, they just don't, they just don't, they just don't care about our music, you know, this sort of thing. So when I got in there, I thought, right, I'm going to try and sign me a catalogue artist, an artist that I believe is going to leave, can write songs. I wanted singer-songwriters. That's all I wanted. I wanted singers. And I found this guy, Lyndon David Hall. Jeez. 
Do right. I qualify? Yes, I was cold. Sorry, yeah. sorry. That's a soul man. Listen. And he, he, he was, honestly... God bless his soul, man. If you heard of Loose Ends, yeah. they were like mm-hmm. one of the first... In the 80s, they were a great group. They they inspired Soul to Soul a lot, actually. They they sold in America okay. more than to they the sold here. where people thought they thought were they American. Were American. I, they for were, a while, I thought Loose Ends were American. And the production was so on point. Carl McIntosh, Danny D did some remixes. It was great. And... um. You know, I, and they didn't, they, they, they did okay. They were signed to Virgin. Virgin was a good label for that kind of thing. So, so ended up on Virgin. Yes. Um, and I was at EMI, which is like Britain's label, which yeah. is the, you know, traditionally EMI, Beatles, home of the Beatles, mm-hmm. Kate Bush, wow. people like that. Iron Maiden, I think, were on EMI. People like Cliff Richards was on EMI. Wow. <laughs> you know, it was like, it was like that sort of a label. And, but it was going through a, a big st- turmoil, a lot of turmoil at the time. And I found it really difficult mm. to, to work under those, that situation. Now we had a band, Eternal. Oh, they weren't yeah. my band, they were on the EMI label. My label was Cool Tempo, which was a smaller label yeah. off it. And I saw how that worked. There's a lot of money thrown at that. They were good, but there's a lot of money going, swirling around videos, a lot of money, big, big money. And I thought, oh, not me. I'm, I'm, I want to grow something. So I found Linda. Linda was very shy, boy from South London. He had loads of demos. And one of his demos literally made me cry when I heard it off a tape. He did them all in his bedroom and that. And it's called um, There Goes My Sanity. And I could totally relate to that tune in terms of the title. Mm. Every one of us around this table is going to have a moment when that tune, just the title of that tune means something to them. Yeah. When you think you're, it's going. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Your raison d'etre ain't your raison d'etre. Yeah. You're not quite sure what you're doing, yeah. why you're here, why people don't get you, yeah. or why people can't appreciate you. This sort of thing. It's a you're, daily you're, thing for a lot of people. It's a, it's a ceiling, it's a full stop, mm-hmm. it's the lid shutting on you. you. That feeling, it's quite claustrophobic. If you get out of it, you're winning. You're winning, of course. It doesn't matter if it's just breathing, having a job, whatever, you're winning. But you get to that point, and I thought this kid's amazing. But he's so shy. He's so introvert. And he's a handsome boy. He didn't even see it. Yeah. He had locks. He had, he had, you know, he had Timberlands on. He had a big old coat. He wasn't this sexy looking guy. And when I say locks, I don't mean, enough. I mean, just locks, just locks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just like, yeah. just that now. <laughs> just them, them sort of, there's a book. <laughs> right? Them locks. And um, he cleaned it all up, you know, and, he, and we signed him. I had, to, I had to convince my 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 boss that he was worth signing, and the funny thing is, we put a showcase on for him, and he was singing. He was again really shy, and my boss had signed Babylon Zoo. I don't know if you remember a tune called Spaceman. It was on I the Jeans advert. Spaceman. It was the, it was the fastest selling Rhythm. single in the history of British music at that point. In in moment, fastest rhythm. selling number one, biggest selling number. Bam. And my yeah. boss, he was into stars. Yeah. He knew a star. His dad was Don Black, is Don Black, who wrote Diamonds Are Forever and Ben for Michael Jackson Jeez, and things wow. like that. His dad is a big lyricist, a legendary lyricist, incredibly successful. Yeah. So he spots stars, he likes stars. Lyndon didn't look like one. Lyndon looked like a shy guy with talent. And then he did something, he, put, he had this blue, I think he had a blue electric guitar, a guitar. And for one song in the showcase, I was looking at my boss, he was think, I was thinking, he ain't going to sign him. He ain't going to sign him. Then he put the guitar around his neck, mm. started playing it and sung. And then he went, 
because he just he just the guitar's a crutch yeah. for a lot of musicians and when you've got your tool you just look so much better and comfortable mm. and we signed him so we made this album and we also had D'Angelo on the label yeah. but he was our American so I had to work D'Angelo now this is the scary thing so I had D'Angelo first and everyone around this table would admit if they know who D'Angelo is he was like Frank Ocean of his day, yeah, of but course. the original. Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. Right? In terms of he shook up the industry. Yeah. He brought soul back to the mainstream in America. Over here, trying to get Brown Sugar played on radio was so hard because it's so introvert. Mm. It's so slow. It's so cool. Is it, is yeah. it as subversive as I think it is? Yeah. It is about what I think it is, yeah. right? Okay, cool. Well, did that have a, an effect on... Was that no, no one... So, no, it was no not one a factor. Clocks. Although the word brown <laughs> ain't <laughs> yeah. the best, you know. But I, I, I don't think that was why. It was just... Radio didn't really get it, apart from a few specialists. So my job, I had to remix the record for radio. So I had to get remixes to remix the record as sympathetically as I could. Obviously, he didn't he ain't gonna love those remixes because he made them but he kind of had to be persuaded that that's how we got to do it and every country probably a couple of countries probably did a few remixes and that was i'm just giving you an idea of what it's like out there so imagine frank ocean brings out give me a frank ocean song anyone um, i've been thinking about you oh, right. no, no, thinking no, about no. you that's a beautiful that's song a tornado right you stop right, right there potato that, hello that would have to be remixed to have got played on radio in those what? days there were very few people outside of specialist radio would have played that it wouldn't have made any daytime playlists wow. or anything like that and and so i imagine how frank would have felt mm. some guy don't know is commissioning a remix on his tune in order to get, but I'm, I'm doing it for the bet greater good. But that's where we were. So with Lyndon, and I did that with D'Angelo. So with Lyndon, it was like, Lyndon's delivered his album. I'm like, Lynn, this is, you know, we whittled it down from 70 songs he'd written. Wow. Half the songs he'd written, he never really completed properly. Yeah. Like what I say by properly, I mean from a, from a radio and successful standpoint, I thought that line wasn't quite right or that hook's not quite. But the thing about him, he won't change anything. That was it. That's how I felt. That's how I wrote it. So I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah, you got to respect that. Like, in, do I qualify? There's a line that says, um, you think I'm ugly as, ugly as sin or yeah, something. Yeah. Or I may look like a king. And I just yeah. didn't like that you line. You think I'm ugly as sin and he may look like a king. But I don't love you the way I do. Yeah, and I thought that line was a bit like a five-year-old writing something, you know. Yeah. Ugly as sin, look like a king. But you remembered it. It works, man. Right. Yeah. That's why it made it on the record, yeah. right? And that's why it was his first single. But I had to tell him, dude, we haven't got it yet. And it's the hardest thing to do. Serious. Yeah, I said, we, have, we just, we need, we need, an, I didn't want to say, we need a single, we need a single, dude. Yeah. You know, and he's like, oh, he looked at me like, you're my, you're, you're my soldier in here, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't need any, but I said, just go, just go back, come back, you're right, you know, because he could write. He came back with four songs, four songs in like a week. And we're playing them, 100 Heart Attacks, I, I like that, something else. And then I heard, dunna, dunna. Ma, 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 ma. Sexy Cinderella. Oh, it's and almost midnight. Hey, I've been dying to kiss you once at the moonlight. Sexy Cinderella. I can't even hit the notes. It's almost midnight. Right. So I'm, I'm sitting in my AR chair, right? And I'm peeing my pants a bit, going, oh, we got something. 
God, I know it's such a tune. Yeah. And he, he, as he did it on a demo, like an eight track or something like that, he did. Mm. It's almost how we released it. Yeah. It didn't make, he had a little echo going on. Oh. And I, in my head, I'm thinking, okay, I know what's going to happen here. Mm. I'm going to get some, a lot of specialists going to love this. I gave it straight to Choice FM straight away because yeah. they were all over it straight away. That's their kind of tune. Yeah. But I thought, Radio One, they're going to play that. No, really. Have to remix it a bit. To remix it a bit, you know. And I didn't want to remix it because mm. I loved the original. The essence of but the I had to remix it. Game, the CJ, game, CJ McIntosh was my sympathetic remix. I used him for D'Angelo and Lyndon. But in the back of my mind, I was thinking more America. Okay. I said, this is a hit in America. 100%. This, this tune is a hit in America. But EMI was such a shit show at the time. The American company was a mess. The English company was going through lots of turmoil. We got a gold album. He sold 100,000 plus albums. And that's the first album I ever, ever executive produced, ever, you know, at a and r So I was really proud of it. Mm. It was a real struggle. But after a couple of years, of, after five years of being at EMI, two years as a club promotions guy, three years doing a and the opportunity came to go on MTV for me. I was already on Radio 1. Yeah. And I felt... I don't want to play my own records because I'm the own, I'm the guy with the big show for yeah. R&B. So I kept giving them to other people first. Fair enough. Which doesn't help my artist. Yeah. Because if I if they if I didn't sign him, I'd be all over yeah, that. Of course, you'd be the <laughs> right? one spinning it. Yeah. So <laughs> I felt a little compromise. I didn't like it. Yeah. You know, Tong was doing his thing. He had FFRR and it was all right for. I just didn't. I wasn't comfortable. So the moment MTV came in with an offer to do a show. Mm. That was the end of my record company days. Are you serious? Yeah, I said, I had to, that, this is decision number four. Right. Yeah, I'm going on big decisions mm -hmm. to you, right? I didn't want anyone ever to accuse me ever of playing a record as a favour, as part of a job in mm. terms of, you know? Yeah. My label offered me, I was on 32 grand a year. That's all right. I was head of A&R, dude. Right. The guy next to me was on a hundred and something. No, and I used to give him tips on who to yeah, get to remix yeah. things. I didn't care. Yeah. Why they, do you think that is though? Sorry to cut you. Because I didn't, I didn't, because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't try. I didn't want to, I didn't want to get, I didn't go into to my boss and say, I want money. And I went, because then you've got to deliver hits. And if you've got to deliver hits, Pressure. you end up making throwaway music that means nothing. Look, we, I mentioned Sexy Cinderella, whole, all of you started going into one because it means something mm -hmm. to you. Yeah. So it meant something that we made that. Lyndon, rest in peace. He's not here anymore. Bless his soul, man. But look, he left. His legacy is intact. That album, you said, is a great album. That's all that matters. Yeah. Mm. The bottom line is, for me, it became a, a battle of my conscience. Mm. It's like my dad. I told you, my dad never sold a policy he didn't have. Of course. I love music so much. I loved it when I was skint. Now that I was in a position... To be a bit of a, listen, I had guys joining record labels because they started thinking, let's hire some black guys now. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, there's, a few, there's a few of us scattered around. Everyone yeah. wanted a bit of a black label sort of thing. These guys getting their MX cars, just taking girls out of lunch, just showing off, getting a company car. I was thinking, no, you ain't in it for the right, right reasons, reasons, dude. Of course. You know, this is, I'm in it trying to do the right thing. But I jumped at the chance to go to MTV only because I knew it was more important. Mm -hmm. that I was at MTV it was more important we used to argue all my mates at record labels Mickey D Matt Ross Lincoln everyone we don't get enough TV there was a chart show which is one video show on telly on channel 4 
where unless you're in the top 30, you ain't going to get played. MTV weren't exactly doing their quota of our music. Yeah, of course. You had the box at the time, box. getting more people watching the box yeah, the than box MTV who <laughs> liked flat music, hip hop and R&B because you could pay for your tune yeah. by phoning up yeah. and you'd know in about four songs time you might see it yeah. and Buster Rhymes was born on the box. Mm. You know, A lot of people were born on the box. A lot of people were born on the box and I just thought... We need we need a telly show, and I'd really. What, but the trick, the, the thing that most of you don't know about MTV, I actually went to an audition before they hired me a year. You know, when Richard Blackwood got it, first appeared on MTV. Yeah, they were auditioning for what that. What was that date thing? What's that date thing again? Um, you guys to go. No, to se- to uh-uh. Select. He had no. No. This is what people don't remember. Richard Blackwood had a show called Bass, or something like that, right? I'll tell you what happened. I was working at the record label. I had a show on Radio 1. So I had a full-time job at the record label. I couldn't do MTV in my head. I couldn't do it, even if I got it. But I wanted to go and tell them what, what the fuck's wrong with them. <laughs> so I went up there, and the guy's about to shoot me, you know, just there, just say some stuff, man, you know. Why don't you show more black videos? Is that what you said straight away, yeah? Straight away. Amazing. Straight. Why don't you show more black videos? I don't understand. Why are we watching the box? You got, and why is your a more show? Or some, I was just, I just wasn't because I knew I couldn't get it even if they offered it to me. I went, God looked at me and says, don't, didn't you want, didn't you want to do this? And I went, I didn't know what happened. Then I knew, I saw Richard Blackburn tell you. So obviously he was built for it. He was. <clears throat> so when I got a call, I got a call about a year and a half later. Um, I didn't even have an agent properly or anything like that. They said, um, oh, MTV want to see you. I said, what? They're going to have some models there, are they? Some models. They have some models um, auditioning. Then little skinny ass me comes along who's all about music and I ain't going to get it. So, you know, but the models, they're going to look real good, right? Yeah, yeah I'm MTV, ah. <laughs> right, which is how it was. Yeah, it probably. was like that. So it's, no, 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 I think they're really interested. I said, what? And then I found out there was a producer, a big time producer at Radio 1, never worked with her. I'd seen her before, but I never worked with her. She got a big job at MTV and they realised they really need, because the success of my show on Radio 1, she was like, you know, we need a show like this on. And I know the guy who could do it. So she dropped my name without me. And then the guy's, doing the filming knew me knew of me of course yeah I went up there so I'm, I had a cold I had my coat on and I can say this knowing this is true I had a scarf I think I said you want to take it off now <laughs> such a boss <laughs> no I'm sorry when it comes to my music mm. right so I went no and then I noticed there's a black guy holding the camera this time I'm like I kind of bored a black guy this is Sherwin Beckford by the way I'm like I got a brother here. <laughs> so he's like, all right, just do a countdown or something, like to pretend you're doing a chart. And I really did a chart show on radio once, so it was easy for me. He said, you're right. I said, yeah, I got cold, man, but you know. I said, uh, Black Street in at number 10, blah, 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 blah. All right? And then I went. As I went, this guy, Maxwell here, coming out of the dressing room, about to go and do his audition. <laughs> what, Maxwell? So, the Maxwell? He looked no, like, like no. Had he had a, he had a Maxwell yeah, yeah, yeah. look. And yeah, there's a couple like of Maxwell, other guys yeah. waiting, so I thought, see? They're just trying to dupe me. They're gonna eat one of these are gonna get it, right? Because MTV at that time, I saw an interview that has stayed with me forever. Forever. I'll never forget it. 
it was the Fuji's. And the Fuji's were my group, mm. right? Before the Fuji's was the rest of development. That was Jesus, my group before that's... then. The Fuji's, a couple of moments from their first album, unbelievable. Then they came out with the score, mm. right? And the score, every, you know, unbelievable. So this girl is interviewing the Fuji's, a VJ, yeah? And all VJ's, they all stand up. Mm. No one was, very few people were sitting down on MTV. Everyone liked to present standing up and just moving around. Sorry, like they're doing something. Chair. Yeah. But this girl was glamorous. She was nice. So she didn't even feel this. First question. Pras, hey, you found a group, right? Yeah, well, you know, Clef's my cousin. And, you know, I go to college with Lauren. Mm. And I introduced Lauren to Clef. And we got together and we're the Fugees. Yeah. Wycliffe, you are the genius of the group, right? Well, Haitian, Haitian nation or something like that. Go, yeah, ask him some genius question. Goes to my queen, yeah? My queen, Lauren Hill. Oh, boogie. Right? <laughs> Lauren, I like your shoes. Boom. <gasps> Whoa. So I'm watching this. Maybe I took it, maybe, oh I, maybe I took it to, maybe I just took it to heart too much. But, and it's not her fault. She's been pop, isn't she? Mm. But to me, I could see right through Lauren there. Okay, close to genius. Pra started the group. She likes my shoes. Mm. No, I'm the best singer rapper, female of my generation. That's what you're seeing here. Say something. Yeah. About, Give me some props or something. Say something <laughs> about why how come you sound so different? Even if you're pop and you don't get it, you don't you just something about you say something. Yeah. That was Compliment the shoes. The music that was the shoes. Yeah. And I thought that's the problem with MTV as far as I'm concerned, right? So when I got the show, I demanded to see the screen test. I said, let me see the screen test. They wouldn't show it to me. Because they knew it was toilet. <laughs> it was rubbish. <laughs> so we started the show and Sherwin became one of my best friends. The, you know, Sherwin and me, he was from Birmingham. He's a little bit younger than me, but same sort of generation. We just yeah. got on and I said, look, I'll do the show on a few conditions. I knew, I, I knew thank God, that I was old enough to sort this out. Because if I was 21, I wouldn't have said these things. I said, like, we'll name the show. I don't want to be called ever a VJ. I want to be seated. Yeah. And, and they said, yeah. And I want it to film quite, you know, different. Great. Sherwin, Sherwin was with me all the way. He agreed anyway. And so the first time we filmed it, I hated it, obviously. I watched it and I hated it. You know, watching yourself on telly, yeah. I was like... But the beautiful thing is I was the only one on camera. So no one ever had anyone to compare with me yeah, kind of, of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was just like, I'm on camera. No, people thought I was six foot three. Yeah, sitting on that sofa like I'm a boss. I'm sitting on the sofa, you know what I mean? You've got to own it. In that. I realised also that no one wants to see a nervous looking guy on telly. No one wants to spend, no one likes, you don't pay money to go and see a concert and you're, the person you're paying to see looks nervous. You want mm -hmm. to see someone who looks like they're in control. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, remember, I'd already hit 30 when I joined MTV. A lot of people don't know that. Because I've got this sort of baby sort of face, I'm surprised my nickname was never Babyface Nelson. <laughs> right? But no, because when I joined, I was the oldest presenter, I believe, or the second oldest presenter on MTV when I joined. And I'm talking about people who've been there for years. Yeah. So the perception was probably I was 23 or 24, maybe mm. 25. I was really 30. So I had this sort of knowledge in my head about stuff which made me comfortable talking about my music, yeah, exactly. which made me made look like I had a bit of an authority, yeah. but, you know, and that, I think that came through. 
Then all of a sudden I'm talking and I'm saying to Sherwin, dude, I don't like the camera on me all the time. Like, can't we, because I do radio and people yeah. know my voice, why don't we just move the camera around? So they start doing these moves off my face. Yeah, mad panning. Oh. Yeah, mad panning. And then we'd hung, then I started bringing an item of clothing in from home, like a shirt and just hang yeah. it. And everyone's like, what's the shirt about? There's always something in the background. Just so in. that yeah. you're not watching me, but you could always hear me talking. Because yeah. I was talking about, it wasn't all just about new stuff. It was also about, do you remember what happened to, and then we'll show some Bobby Brown, mm. you know, and it was great seeing a throwback video. Because nine yeah. out of 10, you never saw that video yeah, in your life. True. So I knew what we were doing. We got the news from America, yeah. which was unbelievable. We never had no, we, the internet just started kicking in. ADSL, man, that dial-up shit. <laughs> and it, yeah, but it's about having, and I had a great team with me. They were so good. And you know, it was magic, mate. I'm telling you, it, I knew what was going on. I knew, I said, I said, after the first few shelves, I said, I'll bet you any money. Everyone who's got MTV, first of all, I started with black. Anyone black with MTV is going to be watching this show. They have to, because there's no, there's no show like this. And then anyone who likes hip hop or R&B will probably watch this show. And that's when I think a wave of Asian kids started really feeling confident. Uh, they, when we did the parties, they all come out and, white, and we had a great mix of people at our parties, white, black, Asian. You know what I mean? It was great. Yeah. But the funny thing is I went into MTV the next day and I said, well, before we started the show, I said, okay, you give me the show. Where are you going to advertise it? You're going to do billboards. As naive, I thought it's like Channel Four. They're gonna do big build. Nah. So well, where are you gonna promote it on 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 the station? They said. I said, but no one I know watches your station. Only a few people watch your station because you don't play our music. Yeah, it's the truth. So how are people gonna know? Forgetting that whole thing of actually convert them, Trev. Some of them. But so I said, we need to do something, you know. And the one thing I do a lot of is clubs. And I know that if I do a party, I will print 10 times as many flyers as people can fit in a club. So if the club holds a thousand people, I'm doing 10,000 flyers minimum. Yeah. Why don't we do parties, I said, mm. and do flyers and make, after show times on the flyers, and because people collect flyers if you make them collectible enough. Yeah. And so it's a constant reminder that, but I was gonna say, Sundays, two to whatever. Wednesdays, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I said, oh, you should work in marketing. <laughs> All four of them sitting there getting paid, not one of them having any brain time. I said, it's common I, sense. I think we've all worked in, I think, you know, my scene, that's what we do. We just, you have to, if you're not eating. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hustle and, hard. Man. And so the parties were born. And they got so much kudos from the parties and everything was great and it went on. We did well, the lick parties, right? Yeah. And you used to show the footage of them on the lick Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah. Like, you listen. know, you know what we were doing. You know what I was doing. The parties so, were so lit, You made man. them legendary. I, yeah. I never, we, I never we, had the pleasure of attending. We made them legendary. <laughs> we made them legendary for people who were like 13, 14, 15 watching going, me. I want yeah. to go to one of yeah. those parties. I think my sister might have lied to me a couple of times yeah. and she went, but she never well, that's, really. That's that, how good they were. But yeah, but that was the idea, you know, and you know, you film people and it's like reality telly, isn't it? It's like you're filming people looking fly, looking good, yeah. having a great time. And you're thinking, where is this? Yeah. Because where yeah. I am, it's moody. Yeah. It ain't like that. Yeah. And then <laughs> those people that were at the party know they're going to be on TV. So they're going to then They're going to be on TV. They, yeah. we, filmed, we filmed 10 times as many as we showed. Yeah. So yeah, and, and, and it was all working. And I knew, I knew the effect it was having. I really did. It was great. And I had the best party of all time in in Dublin after an MTV Awards. It was the best, um, I, I, don't, I don't think anyone will ever experience what I experienced that day. Yeah. 
because we had all the Americans over and they all performed for nothing. That's like at my at, all we we had the honeys. Do you remember that group, the yeah, honeys? Yeah, yeah, of course. We booked the honeys. They were the only group we booked, right? We had one, the honeys doing a PA at the I party. The party was sold out. We had five. There were five other parties in Dublin that night. There's an official MTV party. Yeah. The word got out. There was posters around town. I'm doing a lick party. Puffy's in town, so Puffy comes. <laughs> Puffy take comes, take check this out. I'm not, I, I'm, I, I've, I'll bring you the DVD one day and you look and look at it. It's, it's mad. I want to see that. I have not put it up online or anything, but I've got a full DVD of this party, perfectly filmed. So Puffy comes up, everyone's happy. I think it was at that point, 1999, when hip hop R&B was truly peeping, yeah. peaking. Well, it was. Because MTV Awards, and the, I'll go through it, you'll crack up. So Puffy comes on, he's not stupid. He's touring in Dublin. Um, in about three months' time, it's a Dublin venue. It's Ram, <laughs> right? These kids pay 15 euro to get in, right? Or something like that, or maybe less, maybe 12. So he looks at me, he says, you got my money on my problem? I said, yep. So I'm on the decks, and I'm just like, um. Everyone's like, what? So Puffy's like, Puffy does my money, my problems. To the, to, off vinyl, I'm playing vinyl. Mariah comes in. Right. Mariah, Mariah then does Heartbreaker. This is no oh. word of a lie. I am and not. You know what it is? 99. That's when it dropped. 99. Oh, she does Heartbreaker, right? Oh, kills it. Kills it. Kills it. Mary comes in. Oh. How much for this DVD? So Mary. Mary then I'll does. I'll buy it off you, man. Mary does Real Love. I ain't done yet. Missy comes in. Oh. Missy does She's a Bitch. Missy's so shy, she wouldn't perform on stage. She jumped in the crowd and did She's a Bitch, right? Wow. TQ had his one hit, West Side. Of course, yeah. TQ was there. TQ was in, he does the West Side. Bobby and Whitney. I'm not lying. Together, together. No, wait, together. Walked on stage. I'm standing behind the decks, looking at Dodge, going, Dodge, is this happening? Right? Bobby Whitney wouldn't sing. They wouldn't sing anything. Yeah. I think there was a bit, but they wouldn't sing anything. And then my boy Lyndon was there. So Lyndon does Sexy Cinderella. Come on, shut it down. And then the honeys had to do this track after all But it's not the point. I stood there and I said, this is 1999. This Prince is, predicted this. this is one year. This is one year after I've joined MTV. I joined in 88. This is 18, 18 months. These people have done all this for nothing. They all came on and performed for nothing at our party. I sat down when everyone had gone. I sat down next to Dodge. And I honestly, I honestly said this to him. I said, Dodge, I ain't never going to DJ at a party again. That is the last time. That's how I want it to go. That's how I want to go. That is it. <laughs> I'm, no, I meant it. He looked yeah. at me. He said, you shut up. I said, no. Bruv, listen, what happened, it's ne- it's, that, that is it. It's yeah. ne- that is what you saw there. It's like some sort of mad affirmation. They've come to, to our, That's crazy. our land. Yeah. They wouldn't do that in America together. No they don't like Not each other. <laughs> These people don't, they were beefing publicly. Mm. You know, talking about Whitney in the same place as Mariah, you know? Yeah, of course. And Mary, Mary, yeah. Whitney and Mariah yeah. in the Ooh. same place, right? But they were all loving it. And, and, I, and I said, and that's the first time in my whole career, I will tell you now, that I actually looked in the mirror and smiled and said, yeah, bruv. <laughs> 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 yeah, 
you know, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, yeah, you've yeah. done something. You've done. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna find it and give it to I, you. I need to see this, man. No, I'd love one of you lot to upload it without saying it's me. Yeah, yeah. Saying it that because I, 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 I've got loads. Of, I've got loads of <laughs> stuff like that. We'll talk off air, Trevor. No, but that, no, but that was a moment. That was a real moment. But a really bad moment happened a few years later. So the lick parties were going really well. MTV decided we want to take them off you. Because we were running them. Yeah. But they, they, ain't pay, they ain't paying me loads of money to do the show, so I'm, I'm earning money the way I always earn money, yeah, which is course. doing parties, you know. Yeah. And no one ever begrudges you getting paid if you give them a good time. Yeah. People don't. People mm. begrudge you if you're getting paid and they don't have a good time. Yeah. You know, you're just herding them into any old place. You know, but I, I, I won't money, do that. Yeah, yeah. I always, I pride myself on not being like that. So, you know, but the, MTV took it over and I said, okay. They don't really get our culture mm. and they don't realise the negative side of the culture. And the thing that I'm saying is whenever I do something, I think of the very worst and I hope for the best. Of course. Mm. But if you put everything in place, the worst never tends to happen. Mm. So one time I did a party in Bournemouth. The first time they, they took over the parties. When I got to the venue, it was about quarter to 12. There's no one outside. I said... What, they took over like the flyer? No, the running, the running, the running, no, the running. Because we, by this time it was like, as soon as we announced it. Yeah, don't need no flyers. It was gone, set, you know? Yeah. So we did, this is the midweek in Bournemouth. There's still a thousand people in there. I went downstairs, everyone was in, I said, boy, how did they get in so quick? Because we had a rigid process with our people. You know, you get to a lit party early because you're going to get searched properly. Yeah. And everyone liked to see that. Yeah. They obviously didn't search anyone. Someone got shot dead that night. I've oh, never, ever, you know. ever had an incident at a lit party. That night, someone got shot because someone, I think, went back to their car. Now, people drove in from everywhere. They weren't yeah, born with people. And the guy obviously thought, they ain't searching people. I'll go back to my car. And he, he shot some guy. And, I, and, and my face was all over the Southwest papers. It was all about me, you know. And wow. I, was on a, I was on a list along with So Solid that year. We know when So Solid were banned. Yeah, yeah. I was on the same list. Any gig I did, police turned up in droves or try to shut it down or whatever. I couldn't even do unis. I couldn't do unis on campus. They fret, I'd get booked and then the, the, the organiser would call me and say, a uni's cancelled. We're going to have to cancel you, Trev, because we've got to pay for police and all this stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> you know. This That's is, so fucked up. So they fucked is, your shit up. Well, this is, no, but I can't blame them. Yeah. They know no better, but I'm saying it's not a coincidence, right? Mm. It's... It's like, that's why I say you've got to control the controllables. The moment you get a chance in life, you have to control the controllables. Or else, you know, you'll always be, oh, I wonder what. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. And that, so that was the darkest, darkest, darkest moment of my career because that boy's family were, were, were I, didn't, I was told don't comment. I, I had nothing to do with me. Yeah, of course. I wasn't even on the decks at the time. We just heard, cut, cut, you know, we heard something. And next minute, Rachel, my co-promoter's, got this guy's head in her lap, you know, just trying to, it was a horrible thing. And I, you know, a lot came my way, but I just, I just kept quiet, you know, and I didn't really, I, I didn't feel responsible. Do you get what I mean? But well, yeah, I, but, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah, I felt I should be, but I, I couldn't, it was out of my control. It was just something that could have happened anyway. Yeah. Anyway, it really changed me a lot. So we stopped the lick parties. We stopped them a little bit after that. We did one for the tsunami appeal, mm -hmm. but we stopped them because there's no way. I mean, that was a cash cow for me if I wanted it to be forever, mm -hmm. but I refused. There's a whole generation like you lot 
I've never been. Yeah, I'm dying. He would to love me to throw one, one. Yeah. but I won't do it. I won't do it. I won't not because of what happened, but I think I, I believe in shutting nights down. I believe in shutting. How many times have you been somewhere and you went until it was rubbish? Quite a few places. That's so right. true. Isn't it? Now, if they were shut down in their prime, you'd never be able to say it got rubbish. It's true. You'd just go, oh man. Remember that place? Yeah, that's and, what we're saying. Forever, right you could be 70 years old. You two could be sitting down in a room when you're 70 years old and go, remember when we used to go? And that's what I've got with the lick, luckily. So I'll never, ever do another one. Yeah. And I'll never, you know, just, you, you've got to know when to, you've got to know when to leave somewhere, you know, and leave something alone, you know? So. This is mad. How did you come up with the lick? The right, that was a good, that, that, that was, <laughs> there was. Yeah. Um, there w it was a saying it was a small saying mm. at the time it never got as rabid as some of the other sayings we get. you it. see something like lit now yeah. Yeah. the way people say yeah, lit, it, lit. lit. It, it, it never got to that point though it People, so you'd hear it couple, a couple of times. Yeah, my older cousins used to But it was it never, yeah. it was never epidemic mm. like lit or blood. Things, yeah, 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 never like that. So, and um. I always liked it. I always liked Wait, it. That tune is delicious. There, there was a guy, there was a guy, I think there was a guy called Mark Tonderwright who actually said it or used it in a program, a late night BBC thing once. I knew Mark. Mark was a Radio 1 DJ before me. We never knew each other, knew each other, but I knew of him. And um, that's the only time I'd ever heard it used outside of a couple of my friends. Now, the thing I liked about the word was that if you never heard it used in that context, you totally understood. So people used to say, no, but people would say, come on college and go, what'd you do at the weekend? Oh man, just went, I went to see Arsenal play rubbish, you know? And then what'd you do, what'd you do, what'd you do Bex? Went to a really, I went to a party. Oh man, this party was a lick. <laughs> now, even yeah. if, even if four people had never heard anyone say that, they knew. It's true. They knew the way you said it, what it meant, and also the connotations of the yeah. lick. It's very sexy. It's very sexy and it, it's very black, but it's also everyone will get it. Ooh, and it was that was it. Yeah. You know my biggest mistake? I never owned it. Never trademarked it. MTV, once you do something on MTV, they own everything. Oh, fuck. I never owned it. So I had to beg. I went up to see the MD and I remember going up to him and I sat him down and I said, and, I, and I'm not a big entrepreneur, right? But I know when I'm onto a good thing. I said, <laughs> I said, mate, I said, mate, let me say something to you. He, he was a Dutch guy. I said, and all he said is, yeah, it's a nice watch and he's, he's a bit shallow. And he said, um, I said, I've never ever worked with a, brand and you know that wasn't even a term being used much or with anything as hot as this this is i honestly mate this is the most intact thing i've ever been associated with and, and i don't i know people see it as me but they do see it as theirs you know you know what i mean because i know everyone's watching it every week and they see it as i'm just the guy bringing it to them but it's theirs it's, it's our music so and i said on my scene no one is ever bigger than the artist it's not like the house scene mm where you got DJs bigger than artists. Of course. Because the artists are quite invisible. You ain't bigger than R. Kelly, you ain't bigger than Usher, you ain't bigger than Mary J, you ain't bigger than Fuji's. You're just the messenger, right? And he went, right, what's your point? And I said, well, and we go out to loads of countries, right? Or I get loads of letters every week, letters, people writing letters from, I got people writing from Africa saying, 30 of us all meet together at my friend's house, 
five miles away. He's the only one with satellite to watch you on a Wednesday night. I believe that. In Paris, I got it from Paris. I got New Zealand. I got all over the world, outside North America, because we weren't shown in America. We still thought we did a better show than they did, but we weren't shown in there. Yeah, we couldn't. Did they have a lick version in America? No, they had their own. They just, yeah. that's why, didn't they? Oh, that's yeah. Way. So, um, and he, I was like, he says, I said, we could do merch. We could do anything here. We could do, I could have done beats before beats. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You, know, you, know, you know what I mean? It was, but I didn't want to do all that. I just wanted to see what he thought. And he just shut it down. He shut it down completely. And I couldn't do anything with it. I spent ages trying to work out how I could use that brand, obviously, and control it because I wouldn't want them to control it with cool items or cool things, you know, turntable stuff, you know, stylus holders or just cool shit. Things that you need, a little hat, a little beanie with a little, you know, just cool stuff, not trying to change the world. Yeah, yeah. Got shut down and I never owned the name, never owned it. I owned the name, I think Lick Parties I could own. Right. But I don't agree I should ever do a lick party unless it's shown on MTV, mm. unless I'm doing a show on MTV at the time, yeah. and unless all the things, ingredients are right, and they're not, so I'm never going to do it again, ever. Next year will be 20 years though, right? 98. It was, it was not, I was there 98, I was there for 12 years. Yeah. I did, I, it was the longest running show on MTV at the time. Well, it was one of the best, to be honest, that's the only show I used to watch, man. I think they should have kept a version of it and let some new dudes, do, because, isn't, isn't it funny, isn't it funny, the moment it comes off air, the British scene is that it's biggest. Yeah, it's fucked up. Isn't that funny? Mm -hmm. it, it's biggest when we could have just had British stars and, and you know, all them kids wanted to, to be on there and it would have been a great opportunity yeah, it was for all of them. Thing for yeah, you. exactly. It could have become like the, the, the urban Jules Holland. So, uh, yeah, so I had, yeah. I had I, all I remember is in terms of the, the, the more recent scene, it was Kano putting K on, was great, Dizzy, we, we, you know, Dizzy already had Boy in the Corner out. And, you know, again, because it didn't fit my, on radio, I, di I couldn't really play much Dizzy. I think I played Fix Up, Look Sharp. The rest of the stuff was mental. You know what I mean? To play an R&B show. It wasn't what you, but Zane, Zane obviously bigged him up. But we had him on and he, he was one of them guys that said, yes, bruv, about time, yeah. <laughs> Before the interview, he was like, yeah. I chipped when he was a real ute. And I said, he, and I tinchy. And we had a few, you know, and it was nice. It was yeah. nice, but that should have continued. You know, today it should be Stormzy. It should be all these guys. They should be getting the show they really want to be on. Yeah. Rather than always having to be on something where you've got to say, yeah, by the way, I'm a grime MC and I'm Stormzy or I'm yeah. some, you know, always having to explain yourself. There should be that show where you've actually got a big audience and it's around the world and you're, and you're wrong because you're hot. Yeah. You know what I mean? End that of story. Is, that is the perfect segue, actually, because that kind of brings us up to the present day. And, and we are actually recording this episode on the same day as the Brits. Yeah. Uh, at which Stormzy reportedly, uh, well, you know, he's obviously already been nominated. I don't know if he's won anything, but he's been nominated. He's come out and performed with Ed Sheeran reportedly. Um what, what so what's your take on Grimes' inclusion at the Brits? Do you, do you think that it is inclusion to um, prevent a backlash or do you think that it's okay. genuine recognition of the genre, acknowledgement of the success, the, the hard work, the, yeah, the acknowledgement from everywhere else? At, at whose expense Stormzy and Kano and Skepta in there? Who, who are the three... British males, left out. we're talking about best British male, right? You yeah. have to ask yourself, who are the three British males 
whose spot they're taking. Mm, I can't think of one. Right. So they're there. They're justifiably there. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the answer to your question in a nutshell. Mm. I've been to the Brits possibly 15 to 20 times yeah. in my capacity as either, uh, uh, you know, working for a label or radio or MTV or whatever. I always got invited or my company bought, you know, tickets. And <laughs> can you imagine what it's like? Being a Brits year in, year out. It's mm. it's like being invited to the Smash Hits poll winners party for adults. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? For me. But it was a it was a chance also to be seen and network with a lot of other execs from other labels because you've got to there's parts you've got to play if you're gonna survive in this game. You've sometimes just got to be seen. Mm-hmm. And and that's the biggest night of the year for all the execs. Yeah. And to be honest, when everyone's performing, everyone's just chatting. Because <laughs> that's the only time they all get together. But they created an urban award. I don't know if you remember a few years ago because I presented. I gave it to Miss Dynamite. I think mm-hmm. one year. I think for, I think they might have had it for two years, if I'm right. not mistaken. I think Dynamite got it one year. Maybe Lamar one year. I can't remember. And then they scrapped it. Wow. Um, there's two ways of looking at it. Should we have one back or not at the Brits? Because this is the problem when you do that. Jay Z's always said the same thing. If you look at the if you look at the Grammys this year, yeah. Beyonce won two, I think, one for best video and one for urban album or something. Yeah. And Adele came up and said, "Look, what you did with that album, blah 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 blah, is amazing." Blah, blah, blah. It was a sick speech. I loved it. And, and she said, "You know, and for my black friends, and some people had a problem with that. I didn't have no problem with that. I thought from, that was, from, yeah, from she's from Tottenham. Yeah, she come on, man, <laughs> she's from Tottenham. You know, so." Um, Beyonce wants to win best album. She doesn't want to win best urban album. And then you'd have a situation where if you had an urban category at the Brits, then it'd be Skepta Kano and all of them fight Stormzy well, fighting guess, out yeah, for, the for fighting out for, for a Brit that categorizes them kind yeah. of, not makes them best male, makes them best male in a little category, in a yeah. smaller category. And it creates that crabs in the battle yeah. effect as so, well. So I think it was good. I think it was healthy and I think it was justified. Skepta won a Mercury. Kano made his best album since his debut and Skepta won an enemy as well last week and an enemy of course of course and uh, sorry who else is in it again Stormzy's lighting up yeah come on Stormzy 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 doesn't need an award but if you give him one great yeah he's and got ra- a few gongs you know Rag and Bone various mobiles BETs yeah exactly so he's, he's there and I think Ray Award Shad GRM I don't think Stormzy's one of them here today gone tomorrow artists either you know no, I think there's, 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 there's he's got a little bit more about him than that so no, I don't, I, I, I don't think it's quite like the... Well, it is a little bit like the Oscars. Remember the year they gave it to a load of black people? Halle Berry and Denzel. Reason. Yeah, <laughs> Halle Berry and Denzel. And, Denzel's, and Denzel won it for playing and, one and of his most know. negative characters Dream of all. And yet Malcolm X, he didn't win it for something. But, but, you know, I was... I remember, I don't think he won it for Malcolm X the year because I think Tom Hanks won it. Maybe or did he or someone like that? Right. Someone, someone who beat him did something pr- pretty special. So I'm not going to get hung up on that. I don't think the Brits was quite like the Oscars. I think the Oscars are a little shameful the way they did that. It's a bit obvious the way they. <laughs> it was a bit blatant and a yeah. bit bit of a reaction. That's showbiz. I do believe this is a sign of the times. I think it's a different era we're living in. And you know, Stormzy. You ask most kids, and um, they'll have an opinion on Stormzy. You know, you you know, Skepta as proven it he's stuck he's he's a vet mm-hmm. and he's peaking mm-hmm. commercially now yeah you know and 
and you know, and Kano for me is just an he's my favourite ever MC from the UK. You know, so I'm glad to see Kano up there. So no, I don't think it's tokenism. I actually it'd be interesting to see what happens next year. I look if there were two of them, we'd be over the moon, right? Three smacks of there's an agenda going on here, guys. You know, Ali was there as well. I don't know if he was nominated, but, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't really. And you know what? I'm not. I don't really care. I was going to say, from I a don't really care. From a completely different perspective, do you think that it's even very important for um, Grime to be acknowledged at the Brits? I no. I think I no. Because I mean, I don't think. I personally don't think people. I personally, a lot of people say it's a it's a color thing, mm. and with the Brits, mm. I personally don't because Tiny Tempers won. Um, yeah, yeah, and and basically, I think it's just so much more an industry thing. You have to you 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 have to be the epitome of mainstream music and conform uh, so uh, much to that kind of daytime formula. Exactly, it's, that it's, you are so visible that by default, so you're just the most successful thing. Have you compromised your in, art in form genre. by being nominated? Have you compromised to get there? Have you had to compromise? And to what get the great there? thing is that what, none of these artists, the aforementioned artists, like Skepta, Stormzy, have. or Kano, have none exactly. Of them have. That's my which point. Is good. Yeah, which so is that's why, why I say I don't care. I think the nomination will suffice. Yeah. Because it's acknowledgement of your existence, of your contribution. I don't always think winning is everything, you know. I mean, it's, no, me of neither. course, winning is nice. But, you know, we've got the mobile walls. Don't, let, don't get me started, you know. Yeah, please don't get me started. You know, I've got four of them. And, <laughs> you know, in a category that I frankly could have won every year just because I was the biggest radio DJ in the country. I mean, so I used to plead with, with Kenya King, scrap that award, please. It's embarrassing to me. Mm. You know, honestly, I don't want to be Ant and Deck. Do you get what I'm saying? What's yeah. the point of that? Yeah, you know, it's like, I, I don't know. I, I think awards are really, I've got a ton of awards. I ain't lying. And they're in my house somewhere, right? I've just moved, so they're not out anywhere. <laughs> but it's nice to get acknowledged. It yeah. really is. And I ain't going to lie. If you're an artist, you really, you're, it's the most insecure business you could ever be in, being an artist. It's, it's you know, when you put a tune out, you hope people like it. You know, you're telling everyone it's the shit, but you hope people like Absolutely. it. And if they don't like it, it's like saying, I don't like your mum, mate. <laughs> you know, it, no, but you get what I mean? It, yeah, it is yeah. personal. Yeah. It is personal. So getting, getting something extreme as an award must be fantastic, Bex. <laughs> Can I just ask, um, oh, you the privilege of meeting like, loads of like, celebrities like influential people yeah. who's been your favourite to interview on <laughs> I watched your your lick with Aaliyah you tell me because if you've watched it I don't it's hard for me to keep there's saying there's too many man the Aaliyah one there's a weird but story to catch that but yeah so cool. yeah, I, well, smooth, man. it was hard yeah. to tell when you were really I know I was never I, 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 so alright do you want, do you want cool, the truth man. do you want the truth 9 out of 10 when I knew I had an interview to do I did not enjoy my day worrying from waking up Mm. I'm somebody, I will throw a party and you know what I'm praying for? Four o'clock. <laughs> Finish time. You know, I might enjoy playing the music. I might enjoy seeing everyone having a good time, but really and truly, I want four o'clock to come. I want to know it was good. Yeah, yeah it was. That's, yeah, yeah. It's the promoter in me. Yeah. It's the gut, you know, it's the, it, I just want everyone to have had a good time. When people complain, we answer them, you know, we try. So when, when, when I know I've got Mariah Carey in the morning, who, who is, of all of them, 
the one that gets me sort of, and I've interviewed her a lot, yeah. right? But she gets me sort of, I know it's going to be a day. We got, it's Mariah day, yeah. yeah? So you just want to kind of get to the end of the day and get what's good. Not that, Mariah, if you're listening, it ain't like that. I'm just saying. Mariah's a big fan of GRS. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but you know, and so Leah, for example, that's the day I was looking forward to, right? Because I met her only, I think, three times in my life, right? But the first time she was actually 15 when she first, first came out. Oh, first came times, out, yeah. yeah. She came, I remember her coming in in a Tommy Hill figure tracksuit thing. Oh, little girl, little, little tiny girl. Nice, little tiny girl. Because there was three of them at the time, all young and amazing. And I met all of them. Monica yeah. Ooh, was Dan. amazing. Brandy. Brandy was actually my favourite. Just the, the voice. <laughs> It was ridiculous. The voice, yeah, the voice. And Keith Crouch's production on, oh, I was sick. Best friend and want to be down. It was so deep, the production. It was fat. You play that now, it's still ridiculous fat. But Aaliyah was the one that they looked at as, even when she was that young, she was the style icon. Because before Tommy Hilfiger came out with all his nonsense about black people and urban artists and hip hop, she was... She was endorsed by Tommy, I think. Mm. She had she she was dressed like a boy, but she's beautiful. Yeah. And she was so and the one thing they were all all of them were so measured in the way they spoke for teenagers. I knew they obviously went through training, unlike a lot of us lot over here, who when you're you know, when you're an artist and you make it, you're immediately thrown into the mire and you don't go to finishing school yeah. so much, you know. <laughs> they all did that. The Americans don't mess about. Yeah. I'm talking to Aaliyah at 14, 15, she's talking like she's 29. Mm. And I found it with all three of them. Yeah. That tradition, yes, yeah, age old, isn't it? Motel yeah. artists used to get sent. Absolutely. And, and if you want to win, you've got to do that. And Puffy was very much like that. And a lot of them guys were like that. But when, the one you're talking about, Bex, the one when she, um, it, was, it was months before she died, actually. Um, I remember she, was, she, she had all those people that died on that plane were with her. They went everywhere with her. They were all going somewhere. I can't remember, but they were all sitting cross-legged. From from the 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 I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, that's when she from, died. From but Barbados, before yeah. that, oh, before Rock the Boat, yeah. I think the album, it was, I was interviewing her based on this album that she was, you know, and they were all the coolest looking people she rolled with. They're all cross-legged, waiting, you know, watching us being, doing this interview. And I'm interviewing her and I'm looking at her and I'm just going, damn, you're beautiful and, I, and I'm not that's in my head this has to happen sometimes yeah, you know what I mean yeah of course but I'm talking to her I'm saying no you're just a beautiful spirit just talking to you she was so sweet and lovely and we're literally face to face if you remember we're at a table yeah and we're just like we're just talking to each other and she said man you know after she goes I'm going to be in Paris I'm doing a show you want to come to the show and rah 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 and I went oh, I was so busy at the time I couldn't go to the show I was just so busy I had probably gigs or something, you know, couldn't go to show. And that's the last time I saw her. Oh, and it crushes me even yeah. saying it because, because it, it's like, you just think you're going to see her again and again and again. And the thing I liked about her, she didn't, she wasn't like, you see that Rihanna, with the world we live in with Rihanna. And I love Rihanna, right? This ain't a diss on her. It's just the world we live in. She's never stopped releasing records. Aaliyah was like, album four year break mm. she was doing a Sade which is what I loved about her she was just like taking her time she was the girl that was going to be there at the very end of course that, she, she was timing her she can do a bit of acting do a bit of this she shit. was before Beyonce a lot of people don't realise that like, like for well, me I, <laughs> mate I could I, 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 I don't want to sound like name shop name shop but all of these people you're mentioning you know, yeah but I, Beyonce people say to me you met Beyonce 
oh man, I, I couldn't be in a room without, same room as Beyonce without just fainting. I said, mate. You could. I said, yeah, you could. <laughs> yeah, Beyonce, you could. I've seen Beyonce and them girls tuck away a KFC bucket, yeah? <laughs> yeah. From the hood. <laughs> right? When they first come over, they were the funniest, yeah, loveliest girls. The first yeah, the very first. Yeah, song. a couple of times. Yes. They did parties for me. They did carnival. They did. They were just real churchy, homely girls. Yeah, Destiny Child's from, from the Houston. Bible, from Houston. Yeah. And Beyonce was. I always bonded with Kelly. Kelly was my. Kelly girl. was my girl. She Kelly. Was, Kelly's did got so much. Me? Kelly. She's got so much personality. Yeah, I mean, she's come and done shows with me. She's done. She co-hosted the breakfast show one extra for a week with me. You know, she's really funny. Beyonce was always Beyonce yeah. in, in her own, but she was lovely. She was just, I saw Beyonce as a really good church girl who just lived to perform. Mm -hmm. And she just lived to do what she does. And then Dangerously in Love came out. Yeah, and, and, but I never, but people always say, didn't you fancy her? She was always a little girl. To me, you don't fancy someone you, watch you just you watch grow up. 16, 17, Yeah, you don't, you don't. And I said, no, I don't see her as, I see her as a performer. Beyonce will come on and I, we did a couple of tours where I brought them on, like they were in Dublin and there was one they were at Finsbury Park and I brought them on. And Beyonce, I used to say, she's just Tina Turner, man. When she walks, she does a Tina Turner walk Destroy, and she yeah. just performs and that is not the girl you know off stage is not the girl, trust me. She turns into a beast and she can, you know, and you know that. You, I look at Beyonce, I look at Rihanna and I look at Rihanna and I say, Rihanna would, Beyonce wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's the difference between them. Rihanna's about it, like. <laughs> no, and I mean that's without that's with that's with them being on stage. You're looking at them and you're saying, yeah, everyone. Oh, I meet so many guys who crush on Beyonce all the time, and I say she's not. She's not. That's not what she's. A, she's not like that. Yeah. I don't know how many boyfriends Beyonce's had before Jay Z. I reckon one. It was so one. Yeah, it was one. I read a little article yeah. when he's heartbroken at the moment. He's a chef in New York or something. Well, there you go. Well, there you go. So I, I, you know, I think she's amazing. You know what I mean? And I think the thing I like about it, she don't do interviews. Yeah. Didn't Beyonce have a fling we, with someone? That's all hearsay, bruv. It's all hearsay. Mar is it, am I saying it's Marcus Houston? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We won't know, I heard though, about will we? That because Hove dropped a few subliminals yeah. in, 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 I think it was the 06 time. And if it's meant right. to be, then it'll be in. Blah, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Lost one and Lost one. He lost one's my it. tune, man. I love that tune. People don't understand about that tune. I spot that again, yo. That tune. You play music. You play music on this podcast. You got to pay, ain't you? Don't, but we do do a segment called Track of the Week okay. that Rebecca lost points. once, man. Yeah, yeah, I read a lot into that tune. I read yeah, a lot into that tune. That's what it is, because obviously I'm a lyricist, yeah. so I'm listening to it and it's like, if it's meant to that's be, the then it will be. The, the, the yeah. kingdom come, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's um, two tunes on there I really like, like there's Lost Ones and another one, like, but yeah. The one with John Legend. I can't remember what it's called, what's it called? I know some places we Probably. can go. There's a couple that's of, a, yeah. That, that album that is mad under yeah. A lot, yeah. You know, that's his least favourite album out of all his albums. I don't understand why. He's done a little collection. Well, show me what you got on that. Show me what you got. And that video of him driving around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when he, when he went for the bottle of Ace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. He swapped yeah. the bottle of Ace for the Crystal. Um, Crystal. He dashed Crystal and went to the Ace, yeah, innit? That, that was the hero. Yeah, when he yeah. said Crystal was racist. Yeah, yeah. 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 was Wasted on that song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the problem. That, oh yeah. man, that, that was a good Jay-Z. Yeah, so back to the Beyonce thing, yeah. I don't know if it's true or not, but like Jay spoke spoken about, whether it's him just doing Jay and like third person speaking, yeah. but 
He talks a lot of deep shit on that song, and I think it is about her because he talks about his nephew that he's bought the car for and yeah, dies, yeah. and he talks about Dame and all of that. Yeah. So I think it is. Yeah, to you do... wouldn't be part. You wouldn't um, rap a partly truthful song. I just remembered your question. <laughs> <laughs> I can't Who's the favorite interview person I interview? Yeah. There's two, right? All right. One, it will surprise you, Wyclef. Okay. That's not. That's not really a surprise. Blatantly the most honest guy. Just honest. Everyone was shirking about Fuji's getting back together, you know, blah, 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 blah. Wyclef, I remember he came to the lick and without her, obviously, you know, because I'd never done them as a group. Yeah. You know, I was lucky enough to meet them on radio as a group, yeah. but never on telly because right. I hadn't been on MTV yet. But then they split up. So I said, so Clef, what's going And he looked in the camera and said, Lauren. Lauren, I remember if you're out there, Lauren, <laughs> call me. And I was like, damn. He, you know, because everyone was writing stuff in VAR. Everyone was writing about it. Yeah, speculation. And he just went straight there and he's, and he's just basically saying, I want this shit to happen. It's Lauren. Lauren don't want it to happen. Of course Pras wants it to happen because Pras ain't doing nothing. Yeah. But <laughs> I, want, I want it to happen, you know, and um, he was, he's very, very honest. And I really love the guy, you know, because of his brutal honesty. And I've... And he's a real proper... I think he's one of them guys who looks at him and goes, I'm really talented. Um, I probably wouldn't have amounted to nothing unless I was part of the Fugees. And I had this woman, Lauren, as well, you know. Yeah, it was and very symbiotic, the, I think, the, the, the Fugees. Exactly, their, exactly. The, the genius being Paul, they all kind of helped each other. Because didn't, didn't he produce most of the score? Yes, he so was. He, the, he, he was the guy. He was the... Him and Jerry Wonder, yeah, right? he, he yeah. didn't need technically... To, he didn't need to do anything else. And he bust probably. Destiny's child with that. Yeah, yeah, he well. saved. He, right. he actually. Forget that. I, was bigger than, I would no, say. No, no, I would no. say. I would say he he helped make sure they stayed on Sony Records because that album didn't do much, right. and unless until he remixed No No No, yeah, the original they was, hadn't really had a hit. Was and good. The original was alright. It was the video was whack. It was, it was, it was, it was, yeah, it was a bit. My favorite. <laughs> I would say this to you, not my favourite, my favourite interview ever, Mary J. Blige. There's a documentary I did with her. How did she walk in though? No, 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 no. Mary, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring some homework in for you lot, right? Because I want to, I want to, I want to give you, it's on VHS. It was an hour, it was an hour long, right? And it was on, it was called The Players Club. And... This is when, um, we, we, this is going to be a three-hour epic tonight, you know. I'm cool, man. This is when, this is when, yeah. No, but this is when, this is when television changed yeah. and changed, um, YouTube changed the whole world of mm. music. And it did. YouTube changed everything. And I'll tell you why. I started a production company um, to make, I wanted to make music documentaries. Of course. Because I looked on telly and I was like, oh, I didn't see much. So... We, we came up with an idea called The Players Club. Six one-hour documentaries on people that are influential or relevant to me in the music industry. They wanted me to do all the legends. I said, no, no, it's not about that. I'll tell you who I want to do. I've got, I've got some people in mind and trust me, I've got a good hunch and I think they'll, it'll make good filming. So I said to her, I said, but there's a group called Destiny's Child and there's this lead singer, she's amazing. I think we should follow them for do an hour on them. Nah, they went, nah. They would have had footage of her at 17, right? Eating that KFC bucket, <laughs> right? But they said, no, and I understood. And I said, this is kid. 
right? I think he could break America, but he's certainly going to be going over there to try and we could follow what, how hard it is to see a British and that was Craig David. No, they didn't see that. Bloody hell. They didn't see that, right? What does it take? You've done it. This is the frustrations you don't, people don't see. They only see you on telly. They don't know what what you're trying to do, right? I said, okay, there's this guy. He's running a label. No, there's no. Well, you've got, got another one. Got another one. Still listening to me, like. Yeah, but this right, is how it is. I'll, I'll let that one slide. Okay, cool. No, but this is exactly how it was. Literally, yeah, yeah. as a guy, you might have heard, you might have heard of him, Puff Daddy. I bet you was like, no, but no, but to. at the time, we're talking 2000. If you're an exec at the BBC and TV high up, running what was effectively BBC Three at the time. You know, you might, you might, yeah, but you don't know his, his relevance. I said, he's, he's launching a clothing range, like right now, mm. well, soon. And it'll be interesting. They got that one. So we did Puffy. Um, and then I said, okay, Mary J. Blige? Thinking they're going to say, mm. and they went, they knew, yeah, Mary J. Blige. So I did Mary J. Blige. And Mary, I spent four days following her on tour in America. And no, up to that point, my relationship with Mary J. Blige was up and down. Because early part of her career, she was on her drugs. You didn't know what you were going to get. Mm. She, she just didn't like she wanted to be there half the time. It was really terrible. But she had changed. And I thought I wanted to see the new Mary. And I went around with her and her sister and her on, uh, a band and her entourage and everything. And she stayed in quite a humble hotel so that everyone could stay. She didn't stay in the, you know. Of course, yeah, yeah right. more cost effective. She came out and she in, trained yeah. on the lawn. She was training. We got a film of her training with this guy, Mark, who's a, who, who made D'Angelo's body like he made oh, him. Oh, for him. the video. Yeah. And, but, so we laid on a bed and we were just talking. And she openly admitted that Casey used to beat her Shit. on camera. On, can you remember that? On camera. It's the first time she'd ever said that. I didn't know. She was just talking and went around her mum's house. We had dinner with all her family. And I sat down, right, with her on a lawn in New Jersey. She bought mum a house. I sat down with Mary. I'm sitting with Mary. And I'm like, back to this interview. And every time a car pulled up, she goes, sorry. She'd get up, take her handbag, go over and give a relative a load of money, right? And come back and continue the thing. And then we all sat down and ate. And I, yeah, I was part of the family, sitting there eating. I was like, amazing. Pass me the gravy. <laughs> I, no, but it was amazing. It was amazing to see someone who came. And then we went to the projects and everything. You know, we went, we did, we did the doc. So we, without her, we researched her. You know, we went and did interviews with our old friends at the projects and everything. That's where Mary's got a scar from fighting and all this, you know. And it, it's amazing. It was emotionally moving to me to see somebody truly come from nothing mm. and still... Part of her is still there, you know, just because of her extended family and the people she has to look after. Now, you know, the woman is now divorcing and he's after a lot of money from her. And I tell you, Mary ain't got that much money. I've, Mary's got money, but Mary hasn't got money just lying around, money, yeah, money lying around. You know, for all the albums that woman's house. made, she'll always get royalties. Yeah. Of course she will. But I love the, I genuinely love the woman for her. She's so honest. She's so honest, it's quite awkward to be in it because I revere her. And then she says things like, Trevor, it's hard, it's hard. And, you know, when she met that guy, her, her husband, I remember it was at the MTV Awards Some Country because we went every year. We had such a good time, right? And she was there. And she literally ran down the escalator and said, 
Trevor, Trevor, come and meet my, my boyfriend. Like, as if like, I've got a man, I've got a boyfriend. She was like a little girl. Mm. You know, and I, I, you know, and I met him, Mr. Green Eyes, you know, and everything, and, I, and I can do. And he's a nice guy. I mean, they stayed together a long time. But all I took from it was, there's Mary just trying to be happy. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just, yeah. when you, it's not a fake with her. It's not a fake with yeah, her. Her career's been up and down, man. It's not a fake with that woman. That woman is like, I see her like I would, you know, if I don't stay in touch with nobody, no artist, but she's the one person that I would check on if I, if I was to do with anybody and just phone and say, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Because every, I, I, it's just weird when I meet her. It's really weird. It's really, really close. You know what I mean? And it's mm -hmm. real massive respect for her. You know what I mean? That, that she, I just love her. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love her. I hate, I hate hearing when she's failed or anything. I just think she epitomizes, she's been through this scene from the start, from the from very the start. Early's, man. From the start, from the 91 or two to the present day, she's still got a tune. <laughs> you know, I respect her massively. Is there anyone that you've interviewed and thought, you're a dick. Lots, <laughs> lots of people. No names to drop or? Kanye West. Swear down. Or... I love him musically. Absolutely love him musically. Absolutely think he is a genius of his time, but he's so rude. Was he rude to you when, when you met him? Um, no. And don't get me wrong, I wouldn't call him a dick. You yeah. did. Yeah, <laughs> no, but can you, no, no, let me, let me, let me rephrase it. Let me rephrase it. And I'm going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to be careful about how I say this because yeah. I know these things get clipped and put everywhere. No. What I mean by this is I've had as many good, brilliant, actually, times with Kanye West. I've never really had a bad time with him. I just had a, I'll give an example. And we should spend a bit of time on Kanye. You know the first time he, the first time he took an award off someone. Yeah, Taylor Swift was it? Nope. No, it was before um, that. Oh, it was a band, wasn't it? it MTV was, Awards. Fuck, who was it? I can't remember the name of the band, but they were quite a band you wouldn't remember. It was just a band who made the best video. Yeah. They got the best video award. He went up. He was a bit drunk, and he did. He took the award off and said, "Nah, nah, nah, man, nah." It was like Nickelback, was it? No, it wasn't Nickelback. Not as big as that. It was a band that you wouldn't really know. Mm, busted um, or something. They shit, just yeah. had an interesting video. I think they had a video. It might have been a video where they're on treadmills. I can't remember. But it sounds like go, okay, uh, okay, go. I, I can't. Okay, go? Yeah, I'm not. Okay, I'm go, not yeah. sure. It might be. I don't know. But he he was. Hell no! Hell no! Hell no! My video had Pamela Anderson in it. My video, I shot, well, I went that, over, yeah. I went over a canyon and all this Touched stuff. He went mad. So we had this guy called Tim Cash used to do a show on MTV. Yeah, you remember Tim? Yeah. Hmm. So, <laughs> word. Tim Cash was up Kanye's rectum, right? To the point that when Kanye won a Brit, he mentioned, he name-checked Tim Cash. Because I remember being at Brit Awards. And we all laughed at MTV Base because we thought, <laughs> you know, he's not, he hasn't got, he got a hip hop show, but he was taking Kanye round London and getting him into nightclubs or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. So um, at that award show, when he did that, Tim was doing the official after show. I mean, so he was doing the official MTV show. So everyone who came off stage would go straight to him. Kanye had done this dramatic thing. I didn't quite know what he'd done fully, but he came off the stage. Tim said, Yo, yo, you know, like, Kanye, this one. And he said, he said, nah, Tim, you my man, but he black, Whoa. pointing at me. And he came and did an interview with me. Whoa. And to this day, I stood there going, Whoa. this guy is rock and fucking roll. 
right? Right? This guy is wow. rock and roll, right? Shit. I've got I've got incidences with Kanye that's funny. So another time, I think this might be the same award. I, I was doing I was doing I was you doing need a to red cover me every day, man. No, I, I was doing a red stories. carpet. I was doing a red carpet, right, for the MTV Awards. This is Kanye's first MTV European award show. And I did a red carpet. I remember, I think it might be Norway or somewhere. And Snoop was well, Snoop, Snoop was there anyway, because I remember I tied his shoelaces up, the most embarrassing thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> Snoop is so tall. I'll put that in my bio. He walked, down, he, walk, he walked down the red carpet towards me, right? And his laces were undone, like properly undone. He didn't want them. I don't, he, it wasn't a style thing. Yeah, he had yeah. them undone. He's so tall. He had, a, he had a fur on down to the ground. It was freezing. And I went down and said, hey, Snoop, man, what are you doing? I just, <laughs> I realised that I look like a gold or something. But it doesn't matter. But, um, Kanye comes up with Nelly. They come to do a link with me. So Nelly's with some St. Lunatics and there's Kanye. And Kanye's face. Because he'd been, I think, at the Billboard Awards or American Awards and he didn't win one and he was vexed. And it was his first album, I think it's for Through the Wire. And, and he was, we, we were about to go to a break. I said, all right, Kanye, so I'm going to be saying something to you. Then I'll say something to Nelly. And then we'll go back to camera, you know, just... And he's not, he's just, he's just going to Nelly, yeah, but man, and Nelly's going, cool it, man, cool it. I've sold 50 million albums, ain't it, before I won an award. You know, just cool it, just be happy you're selling records, man, and you know, all this sort of stuff. What conversations going, are over here? Mate, I'm <laughs> over here in this conversation. And Kanye's going, no, nah, man, but no, man, they got me all the way here, I better win something. And he's really, and by the time we, and I'm looking, I'm going, cool, man, cool. By the time we get back, he's still like distracted. And I think this guy is definitely different. He's definitely different. Another time, he now, if you watch The Lick a lot, I think his second album, I think I gave it five out of five when I did my Lick album review. I said, I've never done this before. Boom. There's not, I can't fault this out. I love every bit of this album. May not be all your taste, because I'm a bit of an R&B head and there's a few tracks on there that are very r but I love this, this album. This guy's a genius. Who's, who's, who, why didn't someone give him a deal before? But you know all that stuff. Then I met Kanye again. So I said, so, your next album, I'm thinking your next album's going to be, he's got a magazine open while I'm talking to him. Swear. He's reading the magazine while I'm on radio, right? So you can't tell because wow. I'm on radio. <laughs> anyway, he, goes, he went, yep, exactly what you just said. I reckon your next album could be more, da -da -da -da, just like that. And I'm just like, oh, another time I interviewed him, he had a plate of food in front of him. Put the sauce on, started talking to him, he starts eating. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the best occasion was, which was the album with Barry Bonds on it? Um, oh, uh, um, not graduation. graduation. Yeah. No, was it? College it was, dropout, graduation. No, definitely well, graduation. well, that album anyway, he, ca he came over and we had the BBC Theatre and we had a lot of our staff and some people in there. And it's the first we heard of the album and it was me and him sitting there and he played each tune of the album to the audience and got real feedback. And before he did it, he was walking around really nervously and I saw a really nervous Kanye. So, and we had a great, we had a great day. So what, what I'm saying is, it was easy for me to say, I don't want to interview Kanye again because I don't really care if I don't. I don't really care if I don't interview anyone again. It doesn't bother me. I, I'm, I'm, I've done my stuff that I really, you know, but he's a complex guy at least he's, I preferred 
my encounters with him than all the guys sugarcoating everything, just trying to be pop stars, you know? It's boring. A lot of R&B guys, singers used to come in and, and there's a joke, you know, like there's that duo that do those, those skits. Why did everyone laugh in the eight, 90s all the time? That uncomfortable, <laughs> yeah, it was all that, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah man. We should go out tonight, man. We should go out. Let's hang, let's hang, man. Me and my boy Trav, yeah. I just met you, geezer. What are you talking about? You know, you know, do you know what I mean? Me and my boy. So Kanye, at least he was... At least everything that's transpired with him is consistent. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's personal half the time. I think something just goes on in his brain. Yeah, I think it's snowballed. I think if you if you trace if you go back to college dropout, mm. the very last song, he goes on like a three minute monologue about uh, like how like, you know this is someone who's releasing an album that's going to go on to be I think his most successful album out of all I'm pretty sure College Dropout is Kanye's most successful Probably. album to date it's possible at yeah. the end of that album he is you, you, you can hear him talking about how he feels so hard done by and stuff you know so I think from then Kanye always he had a chip on his shoulder he had a chip and he saw himself as a bit of a victim he had and chip, I think yeah. it, I think the, the, the more successful he got the more angry he got that yeah. he wasn't yeah. successful yeah. earlier yeah. But yeah. I'll tell you yeah. why do you know yeah. what I mean they're not rejected him innit yeah, they didn't want to give him a label didn't want to put him on the thing nothing like even when on one album he talks about how he went to Watch Jay at the Blueprint for beats he produced, and he yeah. still had to pay to get in. Yeah, yeah. So like on the big, anyone? Yeah, big yeah, but yeah, but the thing, yeah, but this is the thing, and what people don't understand. Back in those days, in in New York, particularly, and and, and probably in LA, you got the man, mm -hmm. and I, I went to Bad Boy in its heyday. You know, when it's paranoid, when Biggie just passed away. I remember mm. going up there trying to get. Puffy to produce a remix. That's the good thing about working for a major label like EMI. You can actually go and do things like that. Yeah, and sit down and have a meeting with yeah. somebody, you know. And it is Puffy had loads and loads of producers up there. Tons, the hits, the loads, DJ and all loads. that. And they and you know, they all do. And they're the brand, they're the name. Yeah. You know, and these Hurst. little you know, they get paid. You did this, you, you want a deal? This is the deal, all right? You wanna do it? <laughs> You wanna do it? You wanna get heard? You wanna get heard? Give me that beat. Give me that beat. You wanna get heard? Give me that beat. Could I see imagine man talking to you? Yeah, give me that beat. Give me that beat. Here's some change. I'll give you half the royalty. I'm just imagining, right? I'll give you half the royalty I'd give a well-known producer, but your name, I'm gonna get I'm gonna put your name. Your name's actually gonna be credited next to my name underneath my or something like that. You're on the road, bro. You know, that kind of thing. You're on the road. And that they did treat producers. And then producers who were successful because you go there and, and I remember I remember having a conversation with Puffy. A very short, this is the only time we've ever had a business like record label bad boy EMI conversation, yeah. not not me interviewing. In fact, when I met him, I had never interviewed him yet. Okay. So I went there and I was, I was talking to his manager, label manager. He was in and out of a studio, running in every two minutes. Have you sent the email? Have you sent an email? So he said, oh, "Meet Trevor. He's from EMI, and he wants you to. I wanted them to actually." Remix the Misha Parrish tune, right? Mm -hmm. Should have known because you ain't not her as well. Yeah, should have known better. I wanted them to, to do right. try and do something with it. So he said, Puff, Puff will cost you like fifty grand. I said, No, 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 lad. And 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 someone else will cost you this, but we got a new guy. You could probably get you for twenty five or twenty. You know what I mean? And that, there's always a new guy. Yeah. There's new guy. And you see what the, the way. And I went up. I did something on Dame Dash as well. A few days with him. I okay. did. I filmed something with him. 
and I saw his operation. And to be honest, it's not much. It's not much difference. You know, they 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 got they got producers. You you're a producer, you're a producer. Mm. You know, Kanye wanted to rap, and he didn't appear on any of the. I don't think he did. He appear on any no. of the tunes he produced, rapping, even no. ad libbing. Hell no. Right. Only producers with weight and clout. He did one arm. One yeah. Never change. Never changed. Yeah, never changed. Was it might have been on that? No, he's done a chorus chorus on the blueprint. Yeah, but either way, either way, either way, you know the power that producers had in them days. They were, you know, they were names themselves. You know, you look Swiss Beats a little later. There were all of these guys were big names. Mm. He wasn't mentioned, Um, even though Kanye produced stuff. His name wasn't really. You didn't mentioned, know you heard the Neptunes, you knew the Neptunes were. Yeah. Everybody knew the Neptunes were, everyone knew. But he, he was bitter, I think, from yeah. that experience. Because by, by, the time, by the time I first read about Kanye, I used to read like Vibe quite religiously. Mm, mm. And by the time I first read about Kanye in like an introductory capacity, he'd already produced cuts off like... Neptunes. Um, off like even like as far back as the dynasty. Yeah, yeah. enough and tunes. Shit like that. You That's what me? I'm saying. Before I even heard yeah. of this guy, yeah. and people were still accidentally calling him Kane. Yeah. At the time, yeah. it's that. So it's I, that deep. Yeah, but I think you I hear think, his you hear his frustration though in his lyrics, like yeah, about but, him being imagine locking yourself in a room for three summers and like for anybody wanted K W S beats me and my girl split the bucket, bucket at KFC. KFC. Yeah. Like, but wait, he went out with Beyonce. No, <laughs> but now obviously like I, I could just tell he's just obviously got a lot of. He's, ho- he's holding a lot yeah. of grudges yeah. and now yeah. he's in a position he could just do I what think, he wants. I think like. now that he's he's married the biggest reality TV star on the planet, that doesn't help. Yeah. I you know, like that, like that, you know, in, in my eyes, Kanye could be making music and spending the rest of his time meditating, mm. you know, rather than being, you know, in the situation he's in. But, you know, that's his business. We mm, could, yeah. you, you know, because, because he's with... Kim Kardashian, it becomes everybody's business. Anyone can talk about a reality star because that's what they're there to, to be spoken about. So I, I, it's not for me to talk about another person's relationship, but he's married a reality star, yeah. a, the biggest reality star. Mm-hmm. It means that anybody feels legit about talking about Kanye West. It's fair game. Yeah, and that is the problem. And I don't think that helps his state of no, mind no, sometimes. Talk, yeah, talking about, talking about the Kim Kardashians, sorry, talking about the Kardashians is genuinely like talking about the weather. It can easily just slip into any conversation public. about anything at any time. Some public are there is their image. Um, damn, this is like one of the best episodes. For real, I don't even want to turn. I genuinely, yeah. I'll miss my last train. There's, there's loads more, you know. <laughs> there's loads more. <laughs> oh, you know what? I, I, um, I really enjoyed it. It's late. We, I missed the Brits. You're locked you out lot, your house. But I've enjoyed it because you know what it is for me. It's, it's. What's the word? Your 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 wordsmith, cathartic. Cathartic, yeah. Jeez, it's cathartic. That's why I went straight to Michael. Yeah. Right? It's 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 cathartic because yeah. I've got, I've experienced quite a lot of things and I've seen a lot of things. You know, just because I've been around for so long, thirty years. You know. And you can't cram that into a little. And I've got loads of things to say about everything. Mm. You know, I've got an opinion on everything. Some things, I thought we could change. We haven't changed in the course of all this time, it's still the same. And you could say to me one day, what are those things? And that'd be another show probably. Some things have jumped massively, yeah. quantumly. Do you think there's a you lot know? of um, relapse and regression at the same time? Do you think sometimes, oh yeah, wicked, we've achieved the milestone. And then the, for, for the case in point, remember that music week issue? 
Which one? The one that, that was With all... Just mag- completely magnolia. Yeah. Um, I, look, I think... I think we've made strides. And I say we, what does we mean? You see, I love when you this say we. Yeah. I love when you say we, Muggsy. Yeah. See, yeah, but the scene... <laughs> I don't like using culture, but... Look, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to put this. I think there's... If you, if you break it down very, 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 very broadly, because I think... I know we're talking... I know people listening are up on their scene and they're up on it. But if we were talking to Britain at large and we just split into two, we'd say, right, here's a line. This side is the underground. You don't know about this side. Mm. This side is what you hear on radio and what you see on telly and what you see everywhere. That's the overground. That's the mainstream. Mm. It was designed for you to know. Where do you want to be? Mm. Right? Where do you lie? First of all, not, I'm not talking to musicians. I'm talking to the public. Mm. 90% of them are happy in the mainstream. Yeah. 90. Don't fool yourself. It's true. Don't fool yourself because everybody you know all your mates mm-hmm. are into the underground because we've all been in that place, Absolutely. all of us, right? What I like is things to be quite black and white. If you want to be a pop star, be Tiny Temper, be a yeah. pop star. Yeah. Tiny Temper set his goal out to be a pop he star. Did. I remember he in- is a pop star. We need a pop star who raps yeah. in some way, yeah, shape yeah, or form because yeah. we, we never had one. Mm-hmm. Name the one before Tiny. No. Can't. Consistently, apart from Dizzy, Dizzy, That's but it. you wouldn't call Dizzy's music initially. Pop, I would say yeah. Dizzy, Dizzy yeah, well, yeah, Dizzy was cult at the time. Dizzy, pop, Dizzy, pop, yeah. Time Tiny came pop. out from the time past that dropped. He was a pop star, absolutely right. And to his credit, he has maintained his pop stardom. Yeah, it's mm. true. Most people hit after hit after, hit after fall hit. off straight away when they've hit that pop star level. They can't, they can't maintain. Mm-hmm. Tiny. And Dummy, give them their due. Boom. 100%. 100%. Right? They've flown. So they, that, that is clearly black and white. I'm a pop. You can pop at me all you like, mate. I'm drinking tea. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's, in an interview, they asked him, who do you want to be like? He, mm. he said Rihanna. Yeah, absolutely. He's okay, quoted as yeah. saying, yeah, no, the, the, no. the, the, the Nate, star he wanted to be most like was Rihanna. I, I, if you could, naked ambition is great as long as it's clear. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's not clouded. Yeah. Too many of our you artists are clouded. Too many of our that. artists are clouding their real objectives. Mm, it's true. And yeah. it's getting in the way, right? You know, I wanted to do what I wanted to do as a broadcaster. I wanted to convert people into our music. So I'll do. I, that's why I did Radio One. That's why I did MTV. You know, and if it means I have to bring play, I don't know. If I have to play Bobby Brown to get them to understand who Anthony Hamilton is, or play, I don't know, once in my life, PM Dawn to get to play Common, Mm -hmm. I'll do it. Yeah. For the sake of Common, and for the sake of Music Soul Child, or the sake of Rhyme Devon, or any of these people, Mm -hmm. right? Or D'Angelo. People who are short-sighted and go, all they talk about is the one you played that they didn't like, are really being short-sighted. They don't understand what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So now I'm on Radio 2 as well. And I'm doing the same, the whole thing again in a different way, you know. That's but even with, more of an with disco, with I'm going right back to my real beginnings of yeah. when I bought music. You know, I'm playing disco. I'm playing to 50 year olds. You know. Yeah, I was going to say I'm you're playing, playing to Daily Mail. Yeah, but I don't. I, yeah, but it's great because yeah, that's because you can't change from you can't change from the outside. Yeah, that's my point. I played Young MC, right? I'll give you a joke. I played Young MC on Radio Two on Saturday. Know how? Which I used to play the instrumental of, which was the instrumental was just sick b boy break. It's, it's unbelievable. I got a tweet from one guy going, oh my God, 
So good to hear Young MC on Radio 2. I've got another tweet from someone saying, listen to all your show. I played it two songs from the end. Switched off when you played that rubbish rap record from Young MC. Wow. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's the journey. The that's right the journey. Yeah. That, so it starts all over again for me, but on Radio 2. So I feel like I'm starting all over again, like when I yeah. first joined Radio 2. And it's great. But I just think we mustn't get caught up in our coolness, clouding our thoughts. I, I see guys coming into One Extra, a lot of bands, right? Female and male with an entourage. And I see the artist as one thing and I see the entourage as another thing. Mm. And yes, the entourage is a, it's a, it's a comfort blanket. Is, when you're yeah. walking into these big buildings like the BBC or something like that, I know what that entourage is for, them friends are for, but also those friends haven't got what you got that's made you what the reason you're walking through that building. So when you're taking advice off them friends, may not be the best advice because yeah. you've done something that's you've cut away you've done something you know and it's and sometimes it gets really lonely mm -hmm. because you're making all the decisions yourself like for me I've been in lonely places a lot of times you know what I mean where I know I can't sit there with somebody else because no one would understand my thought process you know yeah, what I mean yeah. and I think a lot of people do get that do get pangs of loneliness, especially mm. if they get any level of true success, you know, because you can't, you can't drag everyone with you because it's a, it, you've got, a, you've got to be so single minded sometimes, you know what I mean? To get to where you want to get to that your friends have become debris or shrapnel yeah. off you because it's if they're not giving you positive vibes or understanding what you're doing, it's really, really tough. That's so true. I will urge anyone to keep it black and white. You know, the grace is when you're doing it as a hobby, when it's fun. Yeah. When you're traversing. One of the only artists I know who's a big artist who does that is Wiley. I look at him as grey. He's black and white and grey. He's, he's just, he used to toss tunes out. You just didn't know. Wiley's gone hard. Oh no, he's gone, he's gone pop. He's gone hard. He's got, you know. That's he, what he wants. He has a yeah, freedom, yeah. Because he's always been Wiley. Yeah. You know, That's other you people know. couldn't get away with that. That's true. Other people could not get away with that. Absolutely. But there's something about Wiley. He can do that. Yeah. You know, and I'm not a grime head, you know, I'm just, or whatever. I just observe and I see things and I think, okay. And I look at some people and I think, hmm, your crew's holding you back, mate. Very true when you think, you know, or, or just, what do you want? I can't work out what you want. You know what I mean? Yeah. What do you want? Because we all know what it is. We all know what it is. We can see it clearly. There's no mystery anymore. There's none of this. Tony Braxton's bankrupt because she didn't realise she was paying for the cabs and all the flowers and everything. But come on, we all know what's, what the score is. If you go major, you know what it is. If you're independent, you know every single penny That's been that you spend. Out, yeah. Like when Skepta said, mate, I spent £100 on that video or something like that that time. Yeah, that was hilarious. £80. On, that was, on, that's not me. That was hilarious. And that was because he's independent. He knows what his business is about and how he's running his shop. I just think, you know, sometimes... We got, we got, you, you have to be the judge of you. Just don't wait for someone to judge you. Sometimes you've got to look straight in the mirror and judge yourself, mate. Well, would you think that, like, you see the advice that you're talking to us now, like, it's golden, but there's no one, there's not that voice in a lot of young people's ears because they're clouded, like, by social media or comments and stuff yeah, like that. Like, not, the tunnel vision I've rare. got kids. I've got kids, yeah, you know, and, you know, they've, they're both very different. You know, my son likes... He, he likes likes, he likes his phone, he likes, he likes, you know, he's a typical son, yeah. you know, of this generation. I, 
you can't fight social media. Social media is a beast. It's the biggest beast out there. Yes. I know a lot of women and a lot of young girls who just don't like themselves. You because know, because of of, media, yeah, yeah, and it's and it's worrying. It's really worrying. And I don't know if I I don't know if I'd be the guy I am today if I was born up in a social media. Yeah, I don't take criticism easily. Yeah. Right, I ain't gonna lie. I ain't gonna be one of them. I never use the term haters. I ne you'll never hear me ever. You can look up every interview ever I've ever. I've never used the term, and you know why? Because it's a, it's a it's a shield saying someone's a hater. It's a shield. It's protecting you. They just hate us, though. You know what I mean? They just hate it's us. Quick deflection. It's a deflection and it's a shield, and I, and I get it because some people clearly are. Mm. But if I had that in my career on, when I was coming up, it might have affected the outcome of me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, who knows? I'm so thankful that we didn't have social media when I was in the lick because everyone would have been second guessing everything I said. Ah, oh, what do you mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you know what I mean? Do you think so? I, I think, think the kind so. Of language yeah. that I think they used do. When they talked about you, was you? <sighs> I think I they would have I, I don't know because because there was no social media at the time. Mm. I don't think you truly know the kind of impact that you had on us in our homes. Yeah, no, I real. do. I did. I did. I think because I, you I didn't did. seem like a guy that was just oh yeah, like this music's like popping. Like it was not. <laughs> no, it was deeper you had than that. This kind of air of yeah. it was. It was a sage air. It was. It was wisdom. It was like. Fuck man, if he says this tune's good, this it's is good. good because no, he's I, from, it's from good. a from, from a music <laughs> no, I know. Of you. No, I was, know. There was, there was, there was but, a stark difference, and no but, offense to him, there was a stark difference between you and Blackwood, and then Cat, um, not Cat, uh, uh, yeah, Cat, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. That you were the. I get you, but you were the but you know the, the, okay. the straight brandy on the yeah. you know the ones it was, it was okay. Steve. Watch this, watch yeah. this. Yeah. I'm gonna bring Bex, Bex yeah. right? Yeah. You're gonna tell me. No cold blood. No, but no wait, cold. Mike, 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 Mike. Bex, you weren't around at the time, right? <laughs> I wasn't even thought about boys. Right, okay. So you weren't around at the time. <laughs> oh no, that's boys. But you're born in the social media era. Yeah. People will say shit because they want to say something. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's and true. how you interpret it. You, you don't know if someone's going, ha, let's wind up Trevor. Let's just say, um, let's just say what you just said about Teddy Riley is so wrong, bruv. I'm yeah. telling you, I know his cousin. That's bullshit. <laughs> Your show's bullshit. Yeah, yeah. What you wear is bullshit. You're gay. <laughs> right? All right? Okay? Now. That's so typical Now, let me just say. Let me just say. a little one in there that's not related to Yeah, let me just say. I'm not homophobic. I'm just saying this is a sort of crap. Now, I would say I read that, and I just come off air. The transmission just happened. It went out in everyone's home, and I got 150 people going, oh, show was wicked, great show. And the two... That one that oh, were like that, so and he's just true, and he's just man. winding me up. He's just there to wind me up, and he's waiting for a response because he's. he's yeah, I bet he hits you back. So really. true. Because yeah. I once I've I've had this once, and I I don't really get it because I don't look for it to be fair. And I did it, and immediately they said, "Mate, we got a biter, we got a biter," and you feel like an idiot, right? Yeah. So I think people would. I think people would just because they do, and people right. just it's, do. It is it's people. True, people will thumbs down a video on YouTube yeah, because they, they ain't got one yet. Nah, I'm doing the. I'm gonna be just be difficult. So I'm gonna be difficult. So you you. I'm glad it wasn't around, and I'm glad. Yeah. But uh, Michael, I did know. I did know. Yeah. I did know because I would bump into some. I remember the, the joy of doing MTV and that you'd get invited to things. I remember me and Nigel Ben playing a boxing game at a launch where we met Muhammad Ali. It was Jeez. amazing. Muhammad, you know, he's my hero. You know, yeah. and I'm standing there with Nigel, still trying to beat me up, even playing. He's them guys are ferocious. He's like, mm. <laughs> right, and he's got, and he goes to me after he goes, mate. Love your show on MTV. He goes, me, 
my son, my wife were tucked up in bed every time you're on. We know Trust when you're on. Me. And, you know, and it's a generation and it's cool, man. Mm. It's just cool. I love it. And, and so I did know. I yeah. did know. It wasn't national telly. It yeah. wasn't like terrestrial. It was only for a small amount of people. Those didn't but I do know because I used to watch every show back. Yeah. Right, and I didn't watch it like, ah, oh, look at me. No. I watched it because I wanted to watch a show on R and B on mm, telly. Exactly. You know, because where was it? So I'd watch it, take, raise myself out wherever I could in my head, but you know, just try and make it better, or you know, and it was. It you used was to do that with fun. your radio shows. Yeah, as always. Well, right? I, I would advise anyone who does radio, and I did this for like ten years, twenty years. Every single radio show I did, because remember, I didn't do daytime playlisted shows initially. I did pure mm. specialist. So every show I did, I recorded, I put it in my car and I listened to it at least once. And I wouldn't wait for producers to say, you did that wrong, you did this wrong. I would just no. listen to it and I'd be doing other stuff. That's how most people listen to radio. They don't listen like this. Yeah, like yeah, it's true. Think. They don't listen with their ear up to the radio, every single word they say. Mm. If you fuck up, they'll hear it. Yeah. If you get dead air, they'll hear it. You know, if you go... <laughs> They'll hear that, but they're not listening to you, but they'll hear that. They mm. always do. Yeah, so I listen and I just self-regulated and that's how I tried to get better. I used to laugh too much at my own jokes. I used to, I still repeat what I say too much, mm. but I don't listen anymore. I haven't listened for 10 years, but I don't listen no more, but I used to. Mm. And then I got to the point of saying, right, I'm a broadcaster now. It's not about me being a specialist DJ. You know, I want to have fun. I want to broadcast. I like broadcasting. I'm not in the... I can't listen to music radio. I don't listen to any music radio. You when I get in my car, I listen to talk radio, any form of talk, sports, news, anything. I don't play music at home unless it's... I have loads of music at home. Mm. I only play music at home when I'm getting ready for a gig because I have to ration it. I've had so much music. Intake in your last right? So much music in my head that I've had to ration it to enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. Or else yeah, you, you stop, in, yeah, you you stop enjoying it. Constant, it. If it's constant, 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 constant. You know, like New Music Friday now coming, four albums released. And you know there ain't a classic in none of them four. <laughs> you know there ain't a classic. You know them days are over. Yeah, for real. All right? So you work out four times 60 minutes. <laughs> Fuck out of here. That's four that hours, bro. That's like four hours. I could be feeding my fish <laughs> or something. No, but do you get what I mean? Yeah. So there are, I, I would rather just get the feedback, listen to a, If there's an album I really, an artist I really, I'll go for it. I'll listen. And if them, you know, but I'm being honest. I'm, I like broadcasting now. I think that the fun of being a specialist DJ has been taken away a little bit for me because I was used to dying for the art, you know, like having yeah. to go miles to get music, spend yeah. all my money. Now it's just lift that laptop up. Yeah. Everyone, it's equal. The trip Everyone to the record store is no longer yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't make you special. It doesn't make you special. It doesn't, you know, so all you've got above everybody else maybe are your broadcasting skills or, yeah. or the fun you can have on radio or, you know, or the, I know what I am. They call me uncle now. I've had to take that one and, yeah. I, and I now I enjoy it because I think you don't call someone an uncle if you don't like if them, right? Respect. Respect. That's respect. Yeah, respect, respect them. Respect yeah, it's yeah. someone who's yeah. not your relative, yeah. but they've come round, yeah. they're old enough to be your parent, but you know what? Yeah, I wouldn't mind if he's my uncle. Yeah. I take that. Yeah. You are looked up to by a brace yeah. of, um, of, of like burgeoning presenters, you know, like no, I, 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 I see how much, you know, Clara Ampho, mm. Yasmin Evans. Yeah, no, I, I, but, I, but I'm, yeah. I, I, would, I would be honest with you. I talk to all of them. Yeah. 
I you talk can to see every that. You single, see that, you know? every single DJ that joins one extra. Well, and it, to a degree, Radio One, but not so much Radio One. But I talk to all of them because mm. I, I can see that they've come into it at a completely different time to me. I was like. I was like the only one yeah, on, exactly. on Radio the 1, right? Open, I, right? At first, I was the only one on Radio 1, so... But I was prepared for it because I went to a school like that, a secondary school like that. Yeah. I had a job at EMI like that. Yeah. I was prepared when I went to MTV, it was similar. Mm. You know, so I, 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 I was built for that. But they come into a place where everyone's competitive and everyone sees the prize now. Mm. So everyone wants to do... And they've got ideas what they want to do with their brand and everyone's got idea. and we didn't know about that we it's just true. had to become a brand to make a living yeah. you, you see what i mean absolutely so it's just sometimes keeping them going sometimes just telling them you know you don't need to do a million links you don't need to be you don't need to be you are you are a personality by just being you you yeah. know you don't have to force it it sometimes it's it's hard to convince people you know that you just be you and don't try hard yeah Public ain't stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we over try. Public can tell. They can tell someone who's sincere, who's insincere. You can just tell, you know. And the sort of people you want liking you are those sort of people. So just do you. And if they like you, they like you. If they don't, they don't. You're in the wrong job. Do you think that's part of the reason why you've managed to, like, have such a long-lasting career? Because if you look at it, there's DJs that I was growing up listening to that had big shows, daytime, yeah. and they're non-existent yeah. now. Like, they're I, struggling. And like, I don't... I, I, well, that's a book, in it? I mean, <laughs> I, I know most of the DJs that came up on a certain level. I've encountered most of them. Some of them, I think, ridiculously talented yeah. in a club, yeah. more so than on air. So that doesn't win you... That doesn't get you listeners. Um, I don't... I think it is a bit of a... I think you, you have to have a natural talent. You do, you can't, not everyone can do radio. You know, you know I'm aware that my voice, I, I go in somewhere and I'm talking in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a bank or somewhere like that. And as soon as I start talking, people turn around. And they immediately, <laughs> you know, white, black, all, all ages. Is that you, Trev? No, honestly, <laughs> honestly, I get it at football. I go, I go Chelsea, man. I try to keep my mouth shut, you know, when I'm queuing up to get, to get in the turnstiles. But the moment you, my mate's always talking loud at me. And the yeah, moment yeah. you start talking, someone turns around. So... Oh Jesus! I remember seeing your uh, your fan special match of the day about Chelsea. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was yeah. the only time I reckon in my whole life that I've ever lost an ounce of respect for. Yeah, no, I get it all the time. <laughs> it's all right, mate. But I'm, but again, you know what it is, Michael? A lot of people. I supported Chelsea when I was seven. Yeah, no, and I, 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 grew, I grew up in Hackney. And Chelsea had a very bad reputation at some point. They used mm-hmm. to recruit national front. Used to recruit at the yeah, gates. Yeah. Uh, probably second only to Millwall or West Ham or something like that. Uh-huh. Those three clubs were always in a bit of... And I... You know what? Can you imagine? Everyone in my house is Arsenal. Are you serious? And Arsenal is the one club I have to tell you I'm supposed to support. Yeah. I, whenever I go Arsenal... Yeah. Whenever I go Arsenal, all I see is people I know. You seem like a gooner, Trev. I know. Right? Jazzy's a gooner. Like you know, my son's a gooner. My son, let me give you the joke. I bought him a Zola shirt, yeah? I took him to Chelsea. He was about six. Said, yeah, yeah, dad, yeah. We grew, he grew up in Muswell Hill, North London, right? Oh. So I said, he, he said, dad, my shirt's getting a bit too small for me, you know? So I said, oh, there's some money. Go with your mum. Go get yourself a new shirt. I'll, I'll, I'm so big. I've got to go and film or something mm. like that, yeah? Come home. Thierry Henry. Yes. 
Arsenal shirt. Like, what, what's going on here? <laughs> that was when I knew we're going to have some trouble here, son. <laughs> like, we're never going to bond properly, right? <laughs> but you know what? It's, I, I respected him because I said, you know what? You could have just stayed Chelsea to please me, but I respect that you're an individual. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I was. And it's part of what defined me. Yeah, yeah. You know, I stayed a Chelsea fan. I went to, I, I saw my first game was Tottenham, didn't support them. Then Arsenal, didn't support them. Then Leighton Orient, didn't support them. Then my dad took me Wembley, didn't support Southampton or Man United. I went to Chelsea after all that, but I would really support them. And I've always supported, I'm a season ticket holder, 20 years. I can't even go on a Saturday now, still got my season ticket. Yeah. But it's, it, I think that's, people will respect you if you're honest. Yeah, no, and I'm true. honest and it wasn't the dumb thing at one point especially yeah. in the 80s to well. be a black Chelsea supporter <laughs> at one point <laughs> you know what I mean but, um, but when I went to that grand all, all, they just they just kind of respected you because you're just like alright son that's the thing about a lot of racists they're you not even ball, really <laughs> racist no they're not they're racist against this stereotype they're ignorant they're ignorant. they're ignorant yeah that's what it they're is they're ignorant yeah. They think that black people are either their one black friend mm. or like just all road men. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? No, no, but, no but you know what? You know what? That's when you tap into your road manism because they all thought he's a little nutter. He's got to be a nutter. Yeah. He's, he's got to be a whole mess of him. He's got to be mad. <laughs> God, just coming in one up like that. Nah, <laughs> listen, time, nah, nah, I'm nah, not knocking. Every single time I hear Chelsea, like the, the games I'm actually all I hear is, um, what's that song? What's this? Do, do, do. The Chelsea start. Yeah. Chelsea. Um, there's actually liquidator. Liquidator. What's the tune? That's our tune. What's the Chelsea? Liquidator. Yeah. It's liquidator. Yeah, yeah. Bad tune. Bad tune. Proper black man tune. Yeah, yeah. Proper. But no. congrats on the league anyway, man. You've got that. This no, we ain't got league. nothing yet. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't, don't make out you're a novice. I've seen bigger leads go than that. Eight points is nothing. Eight points. That's nothing. Yeah. That is nothing. You lose your next game, that's five points. I hear you. And then, yeah, and then someone says you still got Man City to play and Man U. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be honest, I'm a Man United fan, so I don't really see, like, you wash us, like. Man, Man U, right? Mourinho's on a mission. He is. When I tell you that man is on a mission, right now, you got us in the FA Cup. He does not want that game. I know, I don't want it. When he, I saw it, I thought, fuck, He does not want that game. 4-0 he lost last time. He ain't going to lose 4-0. You lot can't miss the goal be... in the first minute, bro. I turned yeah. it off. I said, yo, this is That piss. was my best game for year. That was, yeah, what do you oh, mean, was God. I there? Listen, <laughs> that game was my favourite game since we drew with Spurs and stopped Spurs winning the league last year. Serious? Yeah. I did a, I did a thing on Match of the Day. Again, similar to that one. But this was just, they've, we, went, we played West Ham and they interviewed before in the middle and after the game. Yeah. So after the game, they interviewed me. I said, well, it's a tough season, isn't it, man? You know, I can't remember. I think we drew against West Ham or something. He goes, so what's left for the season? And I just looked straight down the camera and I went, stop Spurs. And I went straight back to the studio and Elisha was cracking up. <laughs> I put my Twitter on. Man. All, the, all the Tottenham fans on my case, on my case. We're coming for you. <laughs> we're coming for you. Chelsea rent boys. We're coming for you. I said, come not. Come not. <laughs> we, come not. we were there. We were there. It was great. I love football banner. I love football banner. I think it's, I think, it, and you know something, I think it's something, um, and, and, and I will say a black and white issue here. I think it's something that so many black people absolutely love. And in my time growing up, so, many, so few black guys went to games. 
because of the 70s and the way it was in the 80s and now I'm so I think it is such a, it's so much better it's brilliant it's brilliant now no yeah. lie no lie Where, whatever ground you go to there might be one in London I will still be a bit nervous about but wherever you go to it's it's fantastic families global tourists it doesn't matter yeah. I don't care I don't subscribe to the fact that it's a working class game it should stay working class we should da, da, da. nah it's an everybody's game it's an enjoyment yeah, for you know what I mean it's an everybody's yeah, game and it's it's a global game and football banter's brilliant yeah. you know what I mean it's brilliant it's, it, it, without football banter men would never talk to each other true do you watch boxing or UFC <laughs> I watch boxing I don't do UFC I don't do UFC's mad it scares I don't do me, all that man. scary love that shit that, 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 you, you know UFC love that shit UFC UFC it's like you outside of a club <laughs> at four in the morning you know when a man's been chirps in another man's woman or something <laughs> it's all elbow down and all this nonsense it's, it's crazy I like you, boxing really yeah the UFC is the shit it's though man it's savage mm. you think it's gonna win between Hay and Bellevue oh okay <laughs> all I know is I ain't paying for that who's paying for what <laughs> Yeah, well, I, yeah, but just remember, I'm BBC and legit, and I've got letters after my name. I have to pay. I thought, I thought, I thought it was going to be there live. If anything, yeah, good, good comeback, Ray. Uh, if, 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 like that, yeah. If I don't pay, I'm in the papers. Remember that, yeah? No, I think, I like, I like Bellows. I like his, I like his, I like his oomph. Yeah. I like, he's got some, he's got some chirping chat, isn't he? Yeah, but, the, but, it, I'm not being funny since I've seen that guy in a boxing ring I've always thought is he taking his sport really seriously because he looks like me with his top off yeah he doesn't do cardio innit he says he doesn't do cardio well you know look I don't think it matters massively when you're fighting someone and you've got superior skills but when you're fighting someone a former world champion who is built like a like hey tank yeah and he's a knockout specialist it's dangerous so I, first round second round I t- mate I think hey I've, I've, I know David Hay and he is, he's, he's, he's what he is, right? He is what he is, you know, you know, he's been called out a bit yeah. and he does like the high life a bit and all that. But like he said, I don't think Belly's got anything to hurt him unless Hay's shot and Hay ain't shot. I don't think Hay's shot. He hasn't fought enough to be shot. No. And he hasn't taken enough licks to be shot. So I, I think it could be a better scrap than people think. What do you reckon? Four rounds, five rounds? <laughs> what are you doing to me, man? Fred's <laughs> going to okay, go to okay, Paddy Power. You're a, you a boxing fan? Yeah. What's, Bella, what's Bella's jab like again? How far is it? Because they're about the same height, aren't they? The, I think um, if he's, he's got, got longer arms. Yeah, but if he's got a, a good, good jab... But then he goes underneath the jab. Yeah, he but, does that movement Yeah, thing I know. But He goes underneath and he... He moves yeah, a lot. It's a problem. He used to. Yeah, true. He's getting older Let's now. Let's see if he does. Yeah, see, I don't. You just don't know. Yeah, it's true. You see, you see, the guy who's in, who's not rusty, ring rusty, is Bellu. Mm. The yeah, guy, right yeah. now, that 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 means a lot in boxing, you know. And he's, but you only take one thump on your head. And he punches to hard, lose that bro. jump. I I can't back, back anyone, but hey, and I think it, it won't, it'll go half distance. I think it'll go half distance. I don't think I'll be surprised if David Hay comes out and just tries to knock his head off. I think he's a bit smarter than that. Mm. I'd be surprised. In I fact... I hope you reckon he'll outbox him smartly. It I won't, think it won't go the distance, will it, though? Nah, I think... You really think, do? Nah, nah, no way. With Hayes punching pads. Remember, he's a cruiserweight. Like, obviously, Hay used to be a cruiserweight, but, yeah, but he's, he's, and he's going up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Michael, these lot are getting in their zone, boys. Hey, too big. Hey, too big. Trevor, <laughs> let's bring it to your new yeah, shows. Sorry. I feel like I needed your Sunday show. Well, oh me. my God, yeah. Can we talk? Can we, please? Please, okay. So I go to school I'll now. Give you, I'll give you a quick Sunday. one extra. I'll give you a quick one extra thing, right? So one extra. 
um, like I said, I said to Michael, I said to you before, before these guys, producers actually turned up to do the recording for the podcast. <laughs> I was saying that, I was saying that, you know, I, I, the reason I joined One Extra was because I'd been on Radio One for quite a long time. I'd been a specialist. I kind of, I think you've got to know when you've hit your plateau. And for me as a specialist, I plateaued. I'd done my bit, I, you know, and I just wanted to enjoy broadcasting. And so they asked me to, to do daytime. And I always thought, you know, I just want, you know, anything to bring a bit more. Because we, we weren't put on One Extra when they joined. I think One Extra should have put me, Westwood and Goldfinger on straight away. I know they, because they was rude. Jeez, Goldfinger, I not heard that name in a while. Yeah, but I think they should have. I think along with all the new talent, because we had already had an audience on Radio 1 and we would have immediately brought more audience, you know, a lot more audience for One Extra. But it didn't matter. I was happy to join because for the first time in years, the British scene was absolutely doing it. It was amazing. I mean, I've done the live lounge for years and I'm amazed at the talent that comes through the, I'm very, I could put on the fingers of one finger who I didn't think did a good live lounge or two maybe, you know, everybody. Do you I'm, have a favorite though? Like, jeez, I don't know, man. Like one that's been like, rock, honestly, there's on my so now. many. I'm mm. always amazed they're live. They're doing their thing live. That, that early in the morning. Yeah, yeah, that early in the morning, whether they are going to sell loads of records or not, I watch them. They're in the BBC. They're in the live lounge on the eighth floor where Coldplay or whoever does it, you know what I mean? And these people come and eat the thing up, man. And I love it. I love mm. it. So I did that for eight years, as you know. I, th I thought I'd do five, but they ended up keeping me for eight. I didn't want to be too old on daytime because mm. I just felt, you know what? I'm, I don't want to be this guy just until you drag me out of kicking and screaming. I'd rather go when people still think, oh, I kind of miss him a bit, you know. Mm. So that was right. And then they said, um, I said, well, you know, do weekends. And I said, you know what we need? We need an old school show so I'm badly. I'm so happy. All these other stations are trading on old school. And you've got old school brains on this station, but we're not doing no old, you know what I mean? Mm. So now I'm doing, yeah, I've really got, next week you'd like next week, this one, this one coming up. I've got a bit of, Common like water for chocolate. Jeez. Some, um, yeah, you know, mm. just playing. Yeah. Not, not, it's not just hits back to back. It's like Music. I'm playing and some you, tunes you as well as some. Completely as well as some, Yeah, completely, well. completely, yeah, completely. Were you, were you speaking of Common? Do you remember when he did that um, masterclass at One Extra when MCs had to ring up and spit against? I weren't. I didn't hear that. You know. Did, oh, did you not? Come no, I didn't that? hear that it. Old, that was a, really? The was it good? That. It was amazing. He's a proper. I loved. I used to, that guy used to be my favorite MC. Yeah, he's he used to be my favorite MC in the world mm. at one point. You know, and I don't. I think everyone's got a different favorite MC. I think an MC is sometimes a reflection of you. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I found Common really polite. Well mannered. He's a really nice guy. Yeah. In, in the masterclass, I remember when, the, when yeah. he, he went. He one, says yes, one. sir. He says yes, yeah. sir. He's yeah. like got southern manners. It's like yeah. he's not from Chicago. It's like from the dirt, deep south. It's true. He's really got manners. He's like he's, a blues man. He's, but I love the guy. The guy's like he's got his voice has got timber. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. His talking voice is. Yeah, it's deep. It's he's got, he does that advert. You can hear his voice. The Microsoft one. Yeah, yeah. Sick. He's doing and, a lot of films now as well. Yeah, he's I doing just, a lot of films. John Wick Two. I don't know if he's in John Wick. One because I haven't not, seen him. No, but he's yeah, no. John I, li I like him, and he I like to play an assassin, didn't he? He's yeah. in. He's in. Have you seen him live? Have you seen him live? Number eleven, um, smoking aces. You ever I seen, seen him live? once live at the Roundhouse? Did, did he break dance and all that? He no, loves. But he brought out. He had. Um, he, he starts break dance. He, he loves the. He loves the culture. He loves yeah, the elements. Yeah, he loves the elements. So he had yeah. two DJs. Um,
and one was specifically for scratching. Yeah, yeah. He um, did he? I know there was definitely some element of dancing. yeah. He, he starts he starts popping and dancing, and he's yes. like he's a kid. Like yeah. when he was a kid, he go yeah. He Don't has go to do on it. Stage. He just does he's it. He's got the old school kind yeah. of showmanship. It's that about thing it. of you're on stage, entertain, yeah. do something. Yeah, yeah. That you know, it's that I like that about him. Can he's I just brilliant. ask? Um, you see how you mentioned Common? Have you? Did you ever meet like? Jay Diller or any of his producers. Do you know what? If I ever met Jay Diller, let me tell you, if I ever met Jay Diller, I didn't know I was meeting Jay Diller. Swear that. And I think Jay Diller was probably in the room with either Q Tip or someone wow. like that. Yeah, yeah. Because because Jay Diller became more revered after he passed yeah, away yeah. than while he was alive. Yeah. You, you see, like you see, like. All I can say is, that everyone used to come in in an entourage. You know, I think I met him just the once. I don't think I interviewed him though. Okay. I think I might have been in the same, you know, but again, it's Jay Diller. He's going to be around forever. Yeah. Producing beats. He's like, you know, it's like meeting, oh, them boys who did TLC stuff from Atlanta. Slime Organized, organized oh, right. noise. Or, or, you know, th these production teams were always, they weren't all puffies. Mm. You know, everyone, the producers were supposed to be in the dark. Mm. You're never supposed to meet them. That's how it was back in the day. Jay Diller was, you know, DJ Premier only got is um, Primo only got shout out because it was just two of them, yeah. Guru and, and him. him yeah. yeah, and Primo was on, you know, Gangsta were on our label, so yeah. I, 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 I had the chance to obviously I was always hanging out with Guru. I should meet DJ. Yeah, he had an old studio, his studio where he done all his a lot of his productions. When I tell you the faders. Mm. Crackly, New York. Yeah, yeah I've been to that. Crackly, I, I don't know what it's called, but it's crackly as fuck, mm. and he loves it like that. And that's how he gets all the grit in his. Yeah, you know, primo. I, 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 I visited. I, I remember going to New York a, a couple of years ago, and and at the time, I'd just recently become friends with Primo through mm. Rizzle Kicks. So going to, um, oh, oh, he he invited us down to his studio yeah. in New York, Dirty and we were Grace. just sitting in there. He's got, you know, he's got the plaques. He's got it's Nas proper old, plaques. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Jay Z's yeah. plaques, yeah. Biggie's plaques, Gangstar plaques. Yeah. And we're just chilling there. Ninth Wonder just rolls up like it's oh. nothing. It was stupid. It was yeah. dumb. Are we, are we like literally? This sounds like a lie, but on my life, right? I've got one witness. His name's Tom Thornton. He's my uh. DJ. Yeah. We were sitting in Primo's studio smoking weed, watching Al Green on Soul Train. No one, do you know what I mean? Like, that doesn't that, get any that, better. That shit sounds it made up. No, but but it doesn't get any better. That's what fucking doing. It doesn't get any better. It's incredible. I feel like yeah. I'm so dry, I've got no stories. No, like, no, 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 I no. I once queued up six hours to meet Busted. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you get me? That's the only, like... You know what? We've names dropped a lot tonight. <laughs> but it's, it, yeah, no. but... <laughs> yeah, we could, we could do a part two easily. Hey, we're going to do a part two, man. Easy. Easy. No, at least it's live. Live. Absolutely. We'd love to get you on the Yeah, yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind if you want to do one absolute gems are being dropped well let's wrap it up with yeah. just one more thing please um we usually do track of the week yeah but fuck it like you know your <laughs> album for life thing is a massive thing in our lives as well so what like, you know just just now oh, the album for the life TBC did you like that yeah, 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 yeah. I'm glad you did because I, 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 I always thought it was a good thing to do. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's a good thing to do. Albums are don't listen to them. Very, people very don't make, no, people haven't said they didn't like it. I just used to wonder if people really took notice of it because no, there was no form. I, I didn't ask for feedback, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was just like, you, no, I mean, man. Yeah. Uh, get in touch, double eight, triple one. Sorry, mm. sorry to cut you, Michael. It's, no, only, no, no, it's, it's only because my feeling was the album is dying. Absolutely. The album's dying and... 
And uh, do, do you not think good quality R&B is dying as oh, well? Oh, totally. I know that there is a resurgence. No, totally, no, but totally. But still so few artists yeah, no, that are producing I'm... great R&B. Yeah. And all the R&B nights are nostalgic R&B nights. It's not modern. There is no contemporary... There is... I, I, I defy anyone right now to be able to name a great R&B group. Or to, group dance, or to dance to it. No, New Jack Swing is all yeah, gone. Yeah, it's yeah. all bloggers R&B now. Yeah. It's shit that you yeah. can get the feels to at like four in the morning. You talk more about it I mean? than you dance to it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. But right. it doesn't mean it's not being made you know Sid and all that kind of stuff yeah. but a lot of the people making this stuff don't even want to be called R&B you got yeah. to understand they want yeah. To so yeah but great greatest hands down greatest R&B album of all time <laughs> which decade just you think, no no you no you can't do that okay, 90s is yeah, the hardest right, yeah 90s let's go 90s, 90s is the hardest because that's my favourite uh, R&B right, let's go 90s all the way up to 2000s wow can we start alright let's let's get a 10 together off the top of my head okay D'Angelo. Right? Yeah. Which which album? Brown Sugar. Okay. Well, you could do... You could, we could have this argument. It could be the first, second. <laughs> it could be the first or the second, right? It's, some people like the second more, but the first have got more songs. Mm -hmm. And I think you need to go with the one with songs. Yeah. I, I've really got the answer. Yeah. Miseducation. All right. That's yeah. my favourite yeah. album. Yeah. 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 Miseducation for me... That's, just, that's it. Is, that's it. Oh, no, it would be it. There's one song missing off the Miseducation of Lauren Hill, which would make it the greatest, greatest. She takes, can't take my eyes off of you off the album, and she puts the sweetest thing on the album. Sweetest thing you don't think the sweetest thing should have? Should have been on the album, it wasn't on the album. Oh yeah. It's can't like take my on. eyes off, it was a cover. Yeah. Andy Williams, I think, did the cut, it was a cover. And the only reason that she did it on telly, and the record company loved it, and the people at home loved it so much watching it, that they forced her to put it on the album. The record company said, you've got to put this on the album. Mm. I wish you put Sweetest Thing on the album and not that, because then it would be pure originals. So sweet. Sick tune. Sweetest Thing I've known. Sick tune. There's a video for that. We've got to have a Mary. We've got to have one, Ma we've got to have one Mary in there. Yeah? yeah? I'll go for the first one. Yeah. yeah. I'll go for, I love the phones, yeah. the yeah. phone messages as well, and, that, and, and the fact that everybody was um, young, new, you're puffy on there, you're there. you know, everyone was yeah. new, Biggie, every, team, everyone's on there. Yeah, yeah loads of that, it's great, it's We're great. Steve. You could hear, you could hear something exciting yeah. was going Steve. on. Yeah. Queen of you know what I mean? You could hear yeah. something yeah. exciting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's what Queen I'm saying, it's legendary. You could go Jodeci, but I wouldn't say a total album. No. I wouldn't, I think there's moments on some of their albums. Oh man, this is great. This is a good run. I know for real. <laughs> I don't think Aaliyah did the ultimate album. No. I don't think she did the although, you know, I loved what her and Timberland did was mm. ridiculous. Ridiculous. Four for me. Yeah, yeah. ridiculous. Oh, but I, when I say great album, I mean like every track. Yeah, yeah. I mean every, I like every every track. Yeah. <sighs> Who else? Let me think. Jill Scott. I mean we could go Maxwell, Jill Scott, all of these people, Maxwell. but but yeah, but but I, um, D'Angelo covers all that to me. Yeah, yeah all right. Yeah. D'Angelo and Erica. Erica's first. Which one? Baduism. The first. Ooh, I need a rim shot. Hey. I know I haven't, I haven't got his one yet, though. That's the thing. He's just like, mm. all right, No, no, no. I'm, I'm really, I'm really, just, I'm just um, taking this all in. All right, this is okay, this is controversial. Yeah. This is controversial. <laughs> okay. This is controversial, but music chooses you. You don't choose music, right? What you like, you like. Absolutely. Justified, JT. Bam, mate. take it from here. Justified, JT. Every tune on that album. Yeah, for real. Killer. Yeah. And 
I would say my most one of my most enjoyable interviews ever was with him when that album was released because we all knew. Well, a lot of people didn't know, but we knew that it was written for Michael Jackson yeah, yeah. at the time. And, but to, to tell him that, you know, he. And I, and I, you know, I didn't like Sync at all. I hated Sync. One song. Even tearing up my heart when I'm leaving. Bye, bye, bye. I don't care. I didn't like boy bands is my only song of Sync. No, but the one I played, the first one I played was obviously in a club, was with Nelly. Nelly. Girlfriend. Yeah, that's another one. That was the first one. The girls love that too, dude. So anyway, it's a bad album. He smashed it. He smashed it. Love it like a love you believe me. Yeah. Even the video. You, you know oh, what? Do you know right, the best I, bit? Can I say Wait, the best bit. One, one minute. One minute. Right, cool, can cool. I say controversial? Something controversial. I don't think that song needed Nelly. It did for me, man. Did it? Yeah. I don't. Shall I tell you the best bit? Did Ever since I saw your face, in the club, man. nothing in my life has been the same. Go on, go. <laughs> you know my tune. Go on. Come on and go, go with me. <laughs> I'm eating, I'm eating, sorry. Let's take a ride, let's take a ride. <sighs> so, I think my, what, oh, I'm getting a It had a God real summery Neptune's vibe. Okay, all right, right, yeah. right, right. How about this? 8701 or Confessions? I finished. Wait, 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 wait. 8701 or Confessions? That was next, you're right. That was next. Because you can't talk about JT without talking about Usher. Went to Atlanta. Sorry, name drop again. Do it. Just after JT released Justify. Went to Jermaine Dupree's studio. So, so deaf, y'all. Well, it was an Usher thing, but Usher took me to Jermaine. So I said to Usher, an interview, Jermaine sitting there said, there's a new kid on the block, <laughs> meaning Justin. Mm-hmm. It's the one time I did some windy up shit, right? <laughs> Usher went, he looked at me and went, mm-hmm. people are saying stuff. He said, I've got some play. <laughs> so, he runs in his Hummer, them days they drove stupid Hummers, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. He put this tune on, he turned it up so loud. And what is it with Americans? Turn up so loud, I couldn't, it was distorted. Turn my shit up. He played Confessions to me. He just dropped it. He, he looked at me throughout the whole tune. <laughs> but how'd you like me now? <laughs> Catch me outside. What'd you think of that? What'd you think of that? <laughs> Talk to me now, huh? What are you uh, kid you talking about? Every time I was in LA. I genuinely believe, in my heart and soul, the reason Confessions was the last RB album sent 10 million copies in America. Was because of Justified, just pushed it over the edge, just made Usher and Jermaine and Emlock just make that album mm. as big as possible. Because I think, and that's what everyone always needs. Rappers need mm. it, R&B artists need it. Mm. You know, just, Justin came out, everyone's favourite white boy. Everyone. They weren't thinking he was going to flip the script like that. Absolutely. I didn't think he was going to do that. I didn't. I, I heard Girlfriend and I liked it. I didn't think he was going to be that big, right? right. I thought he'd be big, but right. I didn't think he was going to nail it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he nailed it. <laughs> he, he nailed it. I, I killed that every track on that album. So I'm looking at the boy, the golden boy. Usher is the golden child. 8701. Unbelievable album. And un- like, literally unbelievable. Unbelievable. That's my tune. We'll and that tune's the most unbelievable. <laughs> From a different era, be, be smart about it. Celebrations. Celebrations. Oh, that is my tune. And the video. But he came with it, and in fact, Confessions is just a very spit and polished 
really spit and polished. Um, the thing about the, the album before, it was a bit rawer in feel, wasn't it, in production. Conf Confessions is so polished. It's yeah. so yeah. Basically, I swear down, it was remember Mariah came out with um, the, the Emancipation yeah. of Mimi. Yeah, we belong it together. Was as polished. It yeah, was, it was so polished. That was all which, Jermaine Dupri as well, yeah, wasn't which, it? Which does, pretty, like, a lot, a, a it lot takes of a little Dupree. bit off that album that is so polished. The thing that takes the most off that album that would have made that album without doubt my number one. Lovers and Friends should have been on that album. Oh, Please tell your instead of on Little Johnny. John John Luda. Luda. <laughs> Friends supposed to be on that album. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But um, I, I, I think if you, I think the one before I loved more. Eight seven zero one. Organically loved it. It got leaked. Yeah, yeah. It got leaked, so it was a bit messed up. How it they was, did it. It was a bigger for me that the PR, you know, the chili thing. Mm. Um, her being involved in it, it, it was amazing. Eight seven zero one is my number one. What about an R Kelly album? tp2.com man see everyone's got a different one that's the problem play. 20 <laughs> four plays good but and i like when he went chocolate factory as well I yeah like that oh as well. come on i like when he went when chocolate he, factory this is I went a steppers, when he went steppers but but no nah, he hasn't he can't beat any of those albums so there's got to be someone else who i don't know are we, are, we, are we talking all No, he never nailed it. He never nailed one. He never nailed one. Joe never nailed one. He didn't one. have two tunes. He had no, one. No, he had more than that. Yeah, he did. Yeah, this yeah. love. Um, Shorty. Shorty. Shorty got her eyes on me. Yeah. Say what, say what, say what. That was his big That's one. the greatest. That was the crossover. That is the greatest club R&B record ever made. I'm going to say that now in contemporary terms. Me and my people be wrong. Give me a better one than that. That tune there. Honestly, I've played that tune, I think. How about Tamir's album? No. Tamir Braxton? No. No, just Tamir. What? No, oh, like, Tamia. Yeah. Tamia. No, 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 no. It's nice. It's nice. Life it's nice. Life Jennings had a couple of the killer two, tunes. Six, the album, the album's the album coming. The album, the album can't test D'Angelo or, or Music Soul Child. I, he, I think his tune, I think he had, a, he had a killer song on there and the album wasn't bad. And he's, he, was in, he was in prison, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I, yeah. Life Jennings, that's why it's called Life. Life, Life. Who else? Dr. Dre, the chronic, yo. No, that's it, Pop. That's it, Pop. There is no more. There is no more. We've, they're the ones. They're probably the ones, aren't they? Yeah. I think, Lauren, I, I think, your favourite then, what's your, no, Faith never nailed it. Never nailed I can tell you every single album, she never nailed it. Yeah. You're she right, never no, she, nailed yeah, she, it. She's not in the same echelons as Mary J. Blige. Ashanti. Ashanti never nailed it. First album. Never nailed it. Too much repetition. Yeah. Never nailed it. Missy Elliott never nailed Missy Elliott never nailed an album, not nailed it from start to finish. Right. Not nailed it. Yeah, yeah. She nearly she nailed single, it. Missy Elliott Buster was a Rhymes. Woman. Buster Rhymes never nailed an album. Not nailed the Genesis it. Genesis was cold. Nailed it. Extinction level event. Extin yeah. Oh, I think that's the closest for me that he came. And then he did too many tracks, that's the problem. So he should have done less and made nailed it. Eminem. Oh, first two Marshall albums. Mathers for me. Yeah. Marshall Mathers and, and, and for Marshall me, some Shady LP. Marshall. I know, I know every lyric start to finish on both albums. You, like you, a, a song comes on, I can't help it. I can imagine it. him no in one. his room. Marshall like. Mathers. <laughs> 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 he only once. Only once. Only once. <laughs> the very first album. That's the only time I ever met him. And then he, then he, be, then he became the possession of Zane Lowe. <laughs> um, I interviewed him now, but I did a funny thing with him because I knew he was mad. I knew he was mad. He um. I got a doctor's uniform on yeah. and a periscope <laughs> and I laid him down 
and I, I did word association with him. Because I listened to his album and I said, you're mad. And so I, I, I went like, so, and I say a word and I say mum and he go dead. Wow. This is on MTV. He did this whole fucking monologue thing. It was brilliant. And that's the only time I interviewed him. I never interviewed him again, ever. Wow. I've never interviewed Dre. I don't think many people have. But you know what? I don't know if I want to. Yeah. I think, you know, Dre's one of them guys, don't meet your heroes now. Yeah. Mm. I, think it's, I think it's like, I don't, think he, I don't think Dre could truly live up to an interview with what his achievements are, if yeah. you get my drift. You, yeah. you put him on such a, you know, you're going to... Yeah, yeah, he seems really introverted. It's quite well. laid That's back. Like, I think it would be quite a boring interview. I also think the Suge Knight episode and the Death Row stuff has made him more introvert yeah. because there's a lot of secrets. Yeah, yeah definitely yeah. a lot of secrets. You know, the fact he's making money off beats and that and none of it's going to Suge is, a, is, a, is an awakening. <laughs> if none of it's going to show, I don't know. But you ever come across sugar in your time? No thanks. All right. <laughs> and, on, and on that note, <laughs> on that bombshell, we'll. Um, I guess we'll see you for episode zero four zero. The the big four zero. Yeah, We're approaching the big four zero. We're gonna have a mid podcast crisis. Yeah. God damn. Version, I might pull up on the motorbike. Yeah. If you um want to give us any feedback at all please don't hesitate to email us at... TBC Podcast. TBC Pod, is it TBC Podcast or just TBC? TBC Podcast. TBC Podcast at grimedaily.com. G-R-M-D. G-R-M-D. Grimedaily. Grimedaily. It is grimedaily.com. We are still, in that sense, Grimedaily, yeah? It flies. TBC Podcast at grimedaily.com. And, and, and any issues that you've got uh, as well, literally anything, and, and anything you'd like to see us doing, any guests you might think um, that we could... Um, attract. Let us know who you want to hey, see. Mate, uh, you're going to attract a whole heap of A-listers now. I've been after on. this, mate, <laughs> we've just had an M we've had an MBE on. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? We are now kind of like, I guess we can carry Cemented the royal in. warrant, maybe now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, follow us as well on the socials. I am on uh, across the board. I am at Michael Payne. That's M I K I double L P A N E. At Rebecca underscore Judd. At Ren, R-E-N underscore G-R-M. Yeah. Thank and you, Uncle Trevor. DJ Treble. Trevor Nelson. Well, at DJ Trevor Nelson, don't troll me. Don't troll him. Don't I'll take troll it really. Him. No, someone will now. You know yeah, that, exactly. right? You know that. I heard your podcast, man. I heard your podcast, man. <laughs> shit, you talk and shit. I know, and I do know Teddy Riley's cousin. <laughs> <laughs> it's, been, it's been great. By the we way, love you, Trevor. yeah, I bet you do. I ain't got no home to go to <laughs> now. I, He's locked out. I am locked out. The missus said she is not letting me back in if I come in late, oh, and I'm coming in well late. Yeah, it'd be one of those. She, I can't even ring her now. What's she expects? Because she wake up, she got to go work. Oh, yeah. Damn. I much appreciate for your time. Pleasure, Apologies man. I enjoyed it loads. I enjoyed yeah. it loads. Thank you, Thanks Trevor. So Thank you, mate. Let's do it again. <laughs>